Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the bestofprods.com movies and television podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joe, today we have Caveman. No, we don't. <laughs> I'm the artist formerly known as Caveman. I'm not calling you that. <laughs> I don't AFC. think what we do here can be described as art. It's a kind of art. We're creating something new. And new might be a bit of an overstatement. It's new to us. Ugh, fuck. <laughs> I love the fact that I'm pretty sure that, like, any normal person I would have probably broken by now. But there's just nothing I can do that will permanently get to dead, man. Yeah. Any normal person would have fired me by now for my uh, uh, my stupid ass comments. Like, we we were playing D and D the other day, and I made a pun, and Dead Man was just like, "Why the hell did I even start this?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what I said. He was just so mad that I said it. Um. Yeah, James has kind of James has tainted the well on puns. You spend enough time with him, you get get close enough to him. He eventually just start texting you puns in the middle of the day. There was a time like back before he started doing videos and like just when we were getting like the just when we were getting the fucking uh, podcast stuff kicked off, where oh yeah, uh, we were talking about playing Call of Cthulhu, uh, and we were, we decided to do a bootleggers based campaign, and I said that's the spirits. <laughs> <laughs> Some of these podcasts are going on hate us for a while while I find new hosts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <laughs> Any hoozles. So you were saying, Dad? Yeah. They're talking about fucking movies and shit. It is 2019. We have been away for a bit, so we've probably watched a whole bunch of stuff. I still have not seen Into the Spider-Verse, because for some fucking reason, the theater in my goddamn town won't get it. I'm going to see it this Sunday as part of a date night with my wife, because we just kept putting it off, and we're like, we've got to see it before it goes out of theaters. Oh, yeah. If if I had, like, a couple of months ago, or like last year, I would have fucking gone to see it already because there's a theater in Peterborough, which is like the next town over that actually is a big theater. It's a fucking galaxy cinemas and they get fucking everything. But I didn't renew my driver's license because I will never afford a car. And I also didn't meet the requirements to be able to get up to the next tier of driver's license. So I just was like, yeah, fuck it. And now I just can't drive. And because I have no way of just fucking, and because I don't want to get my fucking elderly aunt to go fucking drive to Peterborough at, at midnight to pick me up. I'm fucking shit of luck. So I got to fucking wait until it's released on some fucking streaming or home video service. Mm. We got, my theater got welcome to Marwin before it got goddamn Spider-Verse. Netflix might get it. Not nah, well. It's it's the it's it's the part of that whole thing. But hey, speaking of Spiderman, there's that fucking trailer. 
which trailer? Far from home. It got a trailer. It got a, like a real trailer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we got to see uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. Cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to look that trailer up later. He looked great. Like he, it it looked fucking great. Mis- I don't know. I don't know why, but Mysterio is one of my favorite ba- uh, Spider-Man characters. Because he's fucking awesome, dude. That's why. He, he's just it's like he's a normal fucking dude. Who got some special effects equipment? It's like you know what? Fuck this! I could be a super villain too, and gets the shit kicked out of him regularly. Yes, but that's the thing. He is still a special effects wizard. He's so awful. I love him. And uh, to be fair, the robots- I'm kind of mad that throughout all of the Spider-Man DLC, we didn't get a real Mysterion. We got a reference to Mysterion, but no real Mysterion. I feel like you're not realizing you're saying Mysterion and not Mysterio. I didn't realize I was saying saying Mysterion and not Mysterio. Thank you for pointing that out. (laughs) (laughs) I did not realize that. Yeah, I was just like, wait, why would we get Mysterion? He's South Park, not Marvel. (laughs) I also have been playing the South Park games recently. (laughs) But no, like Mysterio is one of my favorite Spider-Man villains because he's just a regular fuck-off dude. And half like, of Spidey's the, villains are that. No, but he's the villain you know that Spider-Man pulls his punches with, because he would fucking splatter the bastard otherwise. You do know that the Vulture is an elderly old man who wears a, a powered exoskeleton that doesn't cover his face where Spider-Man punches him the most. True. <laughs> Fuck you! Flick that bitch wrong, and his old ain't gonna do dick. Ovaltine! <laughs> we are not ageist. We just prefer to make jokes about people. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. Fucking. I cannot wait to see fucking Far From Home. It looks. I. Since I have not seen into the Spider-Verse yet, Homecoming is still the is still my favorite Spider-Man movie. Same. Because I haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse yet. Yeah, but I feel like the second I actually do see it and I'm able to properly give an opinion on it, I'll be like, yeah, fucking of course, it's the best, man. It's fucking dope as hell. (sighs) But anyway. Enough about things we haven't seen. Hey, man, what have you seen? Well, as always, I like to try and start uh, in one genre and then move into the next. So let's start with movies. I have seen exactly one. Well, <laughs> Which, alrighty then. Like, and that's that's the God's honest truth. I have seen one new movie since the last time we talked. And that movie was Escape Room. See, right. Birdie and I have Birdie and I have a tradition. Every January, we troll through the movie listings and see what piles of shit might have been released. And we're strolling through and we're like, no, nah, that'll just be boring. No, nah, that'll just be boring. No, nah, that's not even a... Like, we prefer a horror movie. Something that might scare us. Because even yeah. bad horror is at least entertaining. Yeah, something from Blumhouse. Uh, I think the year before last, we went to see The Bye Bye Man. <laughs> You have to say it like that. It is a legal requirement. Um, And that movie exactly met our expectations and then somehow went below them. Even though our expectations of January horror is 
Well, that was a movie. I feel so bad for Doug Jones. <laughs> Why? Because, like, yeah, he got paid, but he still had, but he still like has that now. <laughs> like Abe Sapien was in the Bye Bye Man. Yeah. 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 That I, I, the, the fucking best part movie. Is, like the Bye Bye Man, garbage. Hot flaming garbage. I loved it, but I guess we're talking about the Bye Bye Man now, because <laughs> I guess I haven't talked about it on the show yet. Yeah, we, we haven't uh, actually. So, so the Bye Bye Man is okay. Um, I'm actually trying to have. Uh, okay, for those of you who have played Kingdom Hearts, you know how Maleficent returns if you think about her. That's the Bye Bye Man. If no one says his name, thinks about his name, or reads his name, the Bye Bye Man doesn't exist. Yes. But the moment that you say it, hear it, or think it, the Bye Bye Man works his way into your mind and drives you batshit insane. And this is where the movie had an interesting premise. Because we could never know what was actually a supernatural force and what was just paranoia getting to the characters and then they steer so hard to the left that they're turning in a circle because within the first 15 minutes we see a fucking demonic ass hellhound yeah yeah he's the bobby is a dog and here here's the absolute best part it doesn't do anything so for 15 <laughs> goddamn minutes in this movie, Birdie and they're like, okay, this might be interesting. This is, sounds interesting. Oh, that's that. Huh. And then the fucking dog. And it sticks his head out of a little, like, hidey hole walkway. Like, like you know, the secret <laughs> passages inside walls that you see that have, like, obvious fucking door. While, while I, I think they're either sleeping or one of them's going through some stuff. No, so, so, and, so, I remember the scene. I haven't seen the movie, but I know what you're talking about. But the best part is what Birdie said. Birdie said possibly the best thing to turn this movie into a joke. As the little guy poked his head out and turned, Birdie then said, Hey, you guys need a towel or anything? <laughs> or just, we, you got, you want a towel? Oh, I, I got some. No? No, okay. <laughs> it just, like, like that dog. Oh, by the way, I don't think the Bye Bye Man is a dog. I think the dog is just, like, the herald of the no, Bye Bye Man. No, the Bye Bye Man has a dog. Oh, has a dog. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't saying he was a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Oh the bye bye man. This dog. But, but yeah, so, so I, I want to give people some main... context. I want to give people some context for that scene. Okay. I'm a paint. <laughs> you can try. I'm a paint yellow motherfucker's a word picture. So the basic inciting incident for this thing is three three college kids. Uh, a couple and then their buddy. Uh just to state this, both dudes are hot. Because that becomes important later on. Yeah. So, couple and their buddy. Uh, they are moving into this old house in order to, like, it, it just, like, kind of off campus as this old thing. And so, they get in there, and there's, like, a room with, like, a, like, a, it's either a light switch or, like, a, a wallpaper where a dude's getting his dick sucked by a fish or something. I have no idea. The house is a fucking mess. But, but they decide, yeah, let's move in. And the girl, who is 100% definitely not British... Like, I have no idea where to get that idea from. But yeah, so Did she's... she have an accent throughout half of the movie? 
Uh, she has an American accent that she is struggling to maintain. So yeah, definitely not British. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent American. Word. Yeah, so she is. She's like going through the room, and she opens up like a little crawl space thing. The room she's staying in has two separate two separate doors going to two different crawl space looking areas. So she opens the door to one and pokes her head in. As she does this, the other one opens up, and then one of the worst CG models I think you've I've seen in a movie in a while just slides out. Do, hey, doesn't doesn't do, walk out. If you, need, if you need spare lights, they're in the cupboard down the stairs. I <laughs> oh, need a turn down service. <laughs> We've got some spare apples in the uh, kitchen if you want some. If you're hungry, <laughs> I am just like 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 if you if you go out to watch and I highly recommend if you watch this movie have alcohol ready because it is so fucking dull. If you watch this movie, be prepared to watch it with our commentary track that I'll be eventually forcing one of these guys to do. Oh, I'll totally participate. Just expect me to have liquor on hand. Word. <laughs> like you'll you'll get drunk comms then. Um. But yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. So like, and and I, when I say slides out, I mean that it is a it literally like it is such a fluid motion that it is completely inorganic, yeah. but not the creepy inorganic. The you couldn't afford yeah. to animate a model properly inorganic. Yeah. The. Yeah. The like. The ki- it is it is the kind of animation that I would do, <coughs> of just all right yeah like, so st- all right as yeah, so a starting frame it is behind this thing then move to where I want it to be then move where I want it to stop and then just whoop. it doesn't breathe it doesn't make a sound which really just makes it like is this a carnival prop or something yeah and there's just so much shit in that fucking movie like like th- there's a there's a bit where um. Where like a main character, he goes to like a library, and prints out a bunch of like and prints out a bunch of shit that is referencing the Bye Bye Man, and so then he begins scratching out the Bye Bye Man in the printouts of the thing that he is reading. Yeah, like that's going to eliminate all mentions of the Bye Bye Man, which come the fuck on. First off, but no, my my absolute favorite part is when he figures out how to defeat the Bye Bye Man. And then the movie is just like, yeah, no, we decided we're going to ignore that rule. Because <laughs> like, at one point, it's just, it's established. If you don't fear him, the bye-bye man can't hurt you. And then immediately afterwards, the bye-bye man begins driving him crazy again. So they establish a rule to immediately throw it out. And my absolute favorite part the greatest fear that the bye-bye man is tapping into. The thing that is driving our hero insane. I think my girlfriend's fucking my friend. Yeah. That is that is that is the thing. Like, his girlfriend is getting sicker and sicker and sicker. His best friend is getting more and more paranoid. Yeah, but the, the part and, he's and the worried time, about he just like he just like Yeah, you fucking her, ain't you? Yeah, the that the only part he Get is concerned about dick. is, are you tapping my girlfriend's ass? And he's like, I'm dying. <clears throat> so I think if I remember correctly, he killed both of them or something like that. Uh, no, I think what it was was uh like they had. It it was like he was about to kill his girlfriend because the bye bye man was making him think that his girlfriend was the friend. Yeah, and about to kill his girlfriend or something. 
Yeah, like it, it was it was like it was like layers on top of layers of hallucinations. Yeah, and, and it's and it's like like the whole thing that kicks it off, he like fucking is like looking looking in the fucking drawers of like a fucking desk of like a fucking like bedside table, pulls it out and but then looks at the bottom, opens up like Birdie and I were man. literally sitting there like, why didn't you burn it? Yeah, and then and then in order to get rid of it, he takes the entire thing and throws it five feet into the woods in his backyard. Yeah, like that's gonna stop anybody from uh, seeing it. Yeah, like oh my god, my favorite thing was so many. Like I actually recognized a few actors in this, and I was like, "You should be some in something better. You yeah. deserve. You're better than this. But you're hey, a better actor than this." But hey, so funny thing, uh, you know that incredibly flamboyant guy they're renting the house from who owns the fucking flower shop? Mm-hmm. He's the writer. No. He wrote the movie, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Bye-bye, man. The Bye-bye like, Man is something special. It, it, it is an experience. And, like, it is what we, what Birdie and I consider to be a quintessential January horror. Now, some of you may not know this, but January is what is considered the dumping ground. Yep. If you go to see a movie in January, you had better expect garbage. As Red Letter Media says, fuck you, it's January. January is the worst time of year to go see a movie. So Birdie and I have made it a tradition to go see a bad movie. And this year we went to go see Escape Room. It was much better than we expected. Yeah, I... The thing that kind of initially like put this movie on my radar is two of the cast in it. Because this movie features both Tyler Labine and Deborah Ann Wall. Yeah. Who I was, I spent half the movie like, where the fuck do I recognize her from? Yeah. And then we finally Googled it and it was like, oh, True Blood. Yeah. So for those who don't know, uh, Tyler Labine, he was in uh, Reaper, Sons of Tucson, and recently in Voltron as Hunk. Yeah. Love him. And then Deborah Ann Wool was in um, was in True Blood as Jessica and then also in the Marvel Netflix universe as Karen Page. Yeah, I did see her actually. Never yeah. mind. Okay, and also, I was like I didn't yeah. see any of that. And also, but... fun thing, she is starting up her own D and D show on Geek and Sundry. Of course. <laughs> yeah, she fucking did a. Yeah, she ran. Yeah, she was like she's been part of like D and D world for like the last couple of years now. Uh, she was part of like a Force Grade Giant Hunters. Uh, she ran a uh, she ran a game for uh, Stream of Many Eyes, which was releasing which was releasing along which was like a little D and D big thing alongside the release of a uh, Tomb of Annihilation, I believe. And now she's getting her own fucking D&D show. And the best part for you uh, fans of Death Door Prods, we plan to post a D&D show. Yes. Eventually. Yep. We're, we're, we're working on it. We, we got to finish up a campaign because we don't want to throw you guys in in Medias Rest. Yeah. Have like a three episode where we just fill you guys in on all the shit you missed. No, we're, we're going to start you at the beginning of a campaign. Yes. What sucks is it'll be my campaign, so <laughs> I'm going to actually have to have a proper story. Yeah, it'll, it's a whole fucking clusterfuck of a thing. Stay yeah, tuned, everybody. And, but anyway, like, the writer cannot write characters to save his life. <laughs> the writer cannot write, like, quirky dialogue to save his life. But, fuck it if he can't write interesting escape rooms. <laughs> Like, Bertie was sitting there like, ah, this seems a little bit unbelievable. I was like, I can give my suspension of disbelief to this. Like, 
I can buy that this nonsense is going on. I but um so the basic plot is uh we like six people are gathered. I believe it's six. Let me double check my numbers. Okay, useless nerd, fat trucker, psychopathic accountant, uh soldier girl, uh just unluckiest fucking dude in the world and girl who was my favorite character. Okay. Yeah, six. And I'm just anybody who's playing this, I'm spoiling every room. Yeah, we who who the fuck cares? I'm spoiling every room because that is where the interesting part of this movie really is. Oh, but what, each what, one of shit. them is a sole survivor. Each one of them was in an event that everyone else around them died. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, the most sloppily written to the most interestingly written. Um, nerd boy, whose name I refuse to remember, um, he, like, his family died from carbon monoxide poisoning. So, boring. Um, uh, fucking American Horror Story accountant boy, whose name I can't remember, um, he strangled his best friend to death and threw him overboard for a jacket. Noise. Because they were they were literally like floating on an overturned boat in the Arctic or something like that, so they were freezing to death. <laughs> Noise. Um, trucker boy. Um, he and his brother got trapped in a mine collapse, and he listened to his brother's final breaths. So that was like that. Okay, that was kind of dark, but all right. Um. <laughs> Uh, Ben, who is the unluckiest lucky guy in the world, uh, got into a drunk driving accident and killed all of his friends. Okay, then. Zoe, who is super brainy girl, uh, got into a plane crash where everybody but her died. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, character that was being played by Deborah, who I will refer to as Deborah from now on, because I can't remember the character's name. That's fine. Uh is an Iraq war veteran who survived her unit being bombed and killed. And she has severe PTSD because of it. Um, well, and okay, it actually then. comes up in the movie. <laughs> like, they actually, like, it, they acknowledge it and, like, move on from it. Instead of, like, like using that. Like, she doesn't die from it, which shocks me. Because I see them all in the room, and I try and predict each of their deaths. Uh-huh. And I got them all wrong. Which doesn't happen. <laughs> I have watched enough of these shitty-ass movies that I'm very rarely wrong. I got every single death wrong. Well. I guess that's some uh, some level of an accomplishment. Yeah, cause they, like, and it wasn't like, oh, yeah, we're just going to cliche our way around. No, they actually wrote everything competently. Yeah, so I I feel like we should at least mention the writers by name. Okay. So I looked them up. So the movie, so the movie, uh, while the story was m- made by one guy, the screenplay was written by two people. Uh, the guy who made the story, a man by the name of uh, Broggy F. Shoot. Which, that's a fucking name and a half. And then uh, it was also co-written by uh, Maria Melnick. So Maria, uh, from the looks of it, she's been she's had, she's had like some 
like relatively like low level stuff for like uh for uh, like like the late aughts uh was a writer's right was a writer's assistant in uh on for a for a for a while on the show Black Sales and actually then wrote an episode of Black Sales and then was a staff writer on uh, American Gods and a, an executive story editor for Counterpart. Okay. Yeah, uh, for those who don't remember, a counterpart of the series talked about on here before, where, uh, where uh, fucking, they, fuck, what's his goddamn name? Uh, J.K. Simmons, uh, he plays two separate people from two different timelines that are that are interacting with each other as part of like a as part of a multi universal like spy yeah, story. Yeah, I've seen adverts for that. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, she was also staff writer American Gods. Based on the old game story, really good fucking show, and the showrunners have left. So who the fuck knows what's happening with that? And then Broggy, I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. I'm probably not, and I kind of don't care. Uh, he was a writer on Ninjago Masters of Spinjitzu, <gasps> and then he also wrote Season of the Witch, the Nicolas Cage movie. Huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are our two writers. So, and then it was back to, and it was also uh, directed by. Uh, it was directed by one of the writers of Paranormal Activity: The Ghost Dimension, and the director of Insidious: The Last Key. Okay. Yeah, a guy by the name of Adam Robitel or Robitel, right? I, again, I, again, I'm I sorry, and I kind of don't before. care. Heard that name? Yeah, that pops open and the hooks dig in, and it's like demons to some angels to others. I was actually kind of hoping. Because uh, well, the very beginning of the movie, we see a flash forward. And the final, what looks like the final puzzle, looks like the fucking puzzle box. <laughs> I, I swear to God. Like, I was like, wait, is this actually a tie-in to... No, it's not a tie-in to Hellraiser. Darn. But... Yeah, no, 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 just, it's a, it, it all turns out it's a fucking, like, pre... It turns out it's a weird prequel to that one set in space. And no, no, no! It turns out that they were looking for someone who could solve the puzzle box. Yeah, <laughs> like that's where they designed this insane escape room. Yeah, and just just get to the end, and it's like you have cracked the lament configuration. <laughs> just just, just uh, like a man in a no. wheelchair with no face just strolls out. Uh, and for again, uh, I'm spoiling the whole thing here. So fast forward if you don't want it. They don't but, care. Uh, this is a January movie. Ben, who is... Hey, back, everybody. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that, folks. Discord. Computers. Occasionally it shits itself. Um, so, uh, the first room, they're in, they've walked in, and Birdie leans over me and says, I wonder what the first puzzle is going to be. I'm like, they're in the first puzzle. This is the first puzzle room. <laughs> and he's like, oh. <laughs> and we find out because Ben decides he's going to go have another cigarette and take a piss. And he goes to the door and rips the handle off. And underneath it is 
an oven dial. And even though they have someone who claims to have done 93 puzzle rooms, instead of listening to him, they go start fucking with shit and touching everything. You know, as you do. So, Nerd Boys explains the rules. You know, you're not allowed to break anything. You should be able to solve all the puzzles. Uh, if if you if you take too long to figure it out, you can ask for a hint. And if you don't solve it at all, then someone comes in and explains all the clues. And I'm just like, that's the only reason you're here. Oh, wait, you're so only here for all the people who haven't ever done a puzzle room. So, oh so, so the guy who explained that, the, like, the puzzle room expert, he's the guy who just started like, just started, like, fucking with shit immediately? No, everyone else started fucking with shit. They didn't listen to him. Okay. Uh, so... Because, like, the way, the, way you, the way you described it, it, it was, it was like, yeah, guys, I go up to, like, 93 puzzle room before, just snaps a lamp over his knee and looks inside. <laughs> no, uh, so trucker guy goes and picks up a book, and inside the book is a screwdriver, and the cover of the book says Fahrenheit 451. So Zoe, being the brilliant bulb that she is, immediately goes to the oven timer and sets it to 450. And this is the first moment where I have serious problems with this. <laughs> Not the actual escape room design itself. This is a huge corporation. They have tons of money. I'm fine with the fact that the entire room turns into an oven. No, I have a problem with marble statues cooking, yet no one else starting to collapse from heat stroke. Yeah, no, people go down before stone in ovens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, they eventually manage to make it into the room where the receptionist supposedly is and finds out that it's a robot. Uh, the phone rings, they answer it, and they get their clue. Please be sure to follow all posted directions. Um, <coughs> they eventually see a sign that says, please use coasters at all times. They go back over to the table. Zoe's actually the one who solves the puzzle. Uh, she goes back over to the table and sees coasters. And accountant boy immediately goes out the exit. <laughs> establishing himself as the I'm going to survive, fuck you guys character. Um, so he I just, hate him. He could just do that. Yeah, he just he just went out the path to the next room. He established himself as the bad guy, like as early as possible. He establishes the guy who he established himself as the guy who looked out for himself and only himself. Okay, so you meant he went down to the next room? Like when he said he just left, I was like, wait, so yeah. he just no, he didn't just leave. I'm pretty sure there would he would have been met by a hell of gunfire if he could have just left. Yeah, it's like it's like start of the fucking horror movie. Oh god, there was an oven, and he's like, yeah, okay, bye, and then just walks away, and then in the rest of the movie. But um, they eventually all managed to make it out. Ben showing a bit of quick thinking. Uh, they ran out of water, but he can use his hip flask to fill up the last glass the rest of the way to hold down the uh, the coaster divot depression weight sensor thing. I yeah, just pooping it. <laughs> I was like, hold up, zip. I would have just peed in the cup. Yeah, pee, poop, <laughs> but, fucking just spitting it. But they they managed to all get out, and I actually expected Nerd Boy to die in room one. So I was shocked. I was like, huh, I expected them to kill someone off in the first room. Honestly, I but, would have expected it to be the fucking, uh, like, the puzzle room expert. No, that was the nerd boy. Okay, yeah, because that's the easiest way to build stakes. It's like, all right, yeah, so we're in a situation, and we, we're in a situation. We have a guy who's done this a bunch of times. He's first to die. 
But the next room is where we find out that they are designing these rooms to key off past experiences. There's two locks on the door, one that's opened by a standard key and the other one that's opened by an eight-letter code phrase, which immediately gets me calling bullshit. Because I saw the size of that lock, and that was not a 26-letter combination lock. Like it had, it was eight across, but supposedly each ring had every letter of the alphabet on it, and it was not big enough for that. Yes, but there's tiny a print. sign in uh, knitting on the wall that says "You'll go down in history," and Ben like stares at the antlers on the wall and realizes they each have a letter on them that corresponds to one of the eight reindeer of Santa Claus. And then he flashes back to the night he killed his friends and is like, we were singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> the answer's Rudolph. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. And then they get outside and find a winter wonderland. Woo! And they're trapped outside in it. And it's actually 30 degrees. Uh, American. It was zero degrees for everywhere else. Uh, like oh, it was no. freezing point, and it was getting colder. Okay, like if, if it was just at freezing, then I'd been like, "Fucking suck it up, man." Yeah, no, I would have been too. But it was getting colder. Uh, they go around, and this is the first moment where I'm like, "Well, this doesn't make sense," because it is a sizable area, but they still manage to find all of the clues they need very quickly. And I'm either like, either this area is much smaller than it looks like, or this is a terribly designed puzzle. No, what it is, is the movie needs to be a certain length of time. Yeah, but, um... So it's like, all right, yeah, so we designed this puzzle. Puzzle, it, we got the, all this thing, it's going to take like fucking three hours to finish. The movie is 90 minutes. The scene is going but to be five. That's, no, it takes them hours, because they find a nice fishing hole, and they fish up a cube of ice with a single key frozen in it. And then they're like, hey, Ben, you're a smoker. Give us your lighter. So Ben being an angry dick because everybody had just accused him of being the traitor, which I seriously was like, it's trucker guy. Trucker guy has no backstory and he's not interesting. He's the game master. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get a single fucking thing right up until it started pointing things out to me. <laughs> I was very unhappy. <clears throat> but... Uh, nerd boy goes over to him and takes the lighter. And this is the first time that the game, this is actually, this is the only time that the game cheats because below the ice, they have charges set for them to remotely detonate and a charge detonates right under nerd boy and drowns him in the freezing water. <laughs> <laughs> At which point everybody freaks the fuck out. Yeah, uh, fair. And, and, what? I mean, that's kind of fair. Except for psychopathic accountant, who's just like, we gotta focus on getting to the next room so we can get the fuck out of here. Why does psycho accountant sound like a mix between trucker and Creole? <laughs> because I hate him. <laughs> I refuse to give him a respectable <laughs> accent. Because he sounded like a normal person, but I hate him. <laughs> so I'm gonna give him silly voice after silly voice. <laughs> but, uh... Like, literally, their only option at that point is to just hug the ice, even though there are other options. Again, pee on it. Peeing on it, hitting it with things. Yeah, just, just like, take accountant's head and just go, like, all right, buddy, you're going to contribute to the group. Boom, boom, boom. He was the most physically built of them all, so, like, I assume the movie was trying to argue that he was the strongest 
even though muscle definition means nothing. Yeah, I mean, you have an Iraq war vet, and not going to say, like, not to throw shade in Tyler Bean, he's a big guy. Yeah. So just like, just like, all right, say, get him, all right, yeah, knock him unconscious, and then just, all right, yeah, so, so head meet ice until get key. Sadly, even though that would have made the movie much better, um, they weren't willing to kill another person at this point. Okay, so. use his fucking leg then. Boo hoo. Uh, then they'd have had to carry him, and that would have been even worse. No, they wouldn't have to. You just leave him there. But they they get the door open, and this is when we find out about the death charges in earnest. Like up until then, it was believable that the ice just broke underneath him. But then we see the death charges going off, and I literally le- leaned over to Birdie and said, "They blew up. They blew up the death charge underneath the kid so that they wouldn't have an easy way to melt the ice." <laughs> because I'm cross. <laughs> like they cheated. Like, they cheated. They they found a way around your puzzle, and you cheated. It's not cool. Then why didn't they blow up the guy who had the lighter, not the guy who took the lighter? He wasn't standing on the ice. He was standing off to the side of the ice. Yes, you want to go so full cheat, just like, whoop, the tree exploded. <laughs> but no, so the next room is my favorite room. Um... It's quite literally a bar upside down. Okay. And the gimmick of this room is the floor falls away every time a song finishes. And it very clearly announces like when the, like the song is finished so the floor is about to fall away. The floor takes a second to fall away. And none of our heroes ever figured that shit out. (laughs) Well, I mean, they killed the escape room expert, so what are you going to (laughs) do? Birdie and I are sitting there pissed. Because they're just like, oh no, but can we turn the music off? How many people were in your theater? Uh, Like eight total. You should have just started riffing. Oh, we were riffing. Like out loud to everyone. People were laughing. We, Birdie and I were riffing out loud, and other people were joining in. Oh, like, God. I have yet to have that happen. Like, like any theater experience I've been to, it's either been it's either been packed full or me and, like, five old people who don't riff. Yeah. You want to you know the best part? Huh. That didn't happen. It would have been <laughs> funny if it had, but no. Everybody was just silently enjoying the film. <sighs> but no, um... But why I, I was I was we Birdie and I were riffing to each other, but we didn't get loud enough for people to hear. I actually had to hush Birdie at the beginning of the movie because he was actively dying at the introductory credits, like the production people. <laughs> and I was like, really? The movie hasn't even started. Give it a chance. Give it a fucking chance before you start dying. So wh- when you say dying, do you mean just like? He was fucking cutting up, laughing. I was like, are people going to, like... Like, we have people in this theater. Are they going to be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Because I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with you? It's like, oh, like he was producer. dying laughing. <laughs> he was dying laughing at the fucking intro. Like, we haven't seen any of the movie yet. She's like, okay. What was it about it that made him laugh? Was it just... I like, have no idea. What? I think it was just he was expecting the movie to be that bad that he was laughing at the people who made it. Okay. 
Yeah, so... the They eventually find out that there's a slider puzzle, and I've been like, well, this is the room I die in. Because <laughs> I suck at slider puzzles. I really fucking do. Oh, yeah, I'm garbage at him. Uh, and Trucker Dude says my uh, favorite line of the movie. Because they found a safe that's a four-digit safe. And he's like, try one, two, three, four. You never know. They might have said it that. Well, we all know what his pin number is. Yeah. And then she's like, one, two, three, four doesn't work. All right, try one, 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 one. <laughs> I'm like, bravo, trucker dude. I, mean, I hope you survive a little longer. Because that's what I would be doing. Yeah, while, just, like, literally, I've done this. While other people are actively trying to solve the puzzle, I'm like, I can't help there. I'm just yeah. going to try every combination. Yeah, just brute force it. Start, <laughs> yeah, with, start with the obvious, most dumb ones, and then hope you're right. The, the actual, the last, uh, the only uh, escape room that I have been in, we solved the final puzzle by brute forcing it. Because <laughs> it was just like, we're not, we're, we're so sick of looking through this room, we're just going to brute force this puzzle. Man, it, <laughs> we brute forced it. It would have been great. great if that, if that, if like, if it actually was one, two, three, four, just like the room was developed by the space balls. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I like the passcode ended up like, oh, it correlates to fucking pool cue, like the balls on the pool table. And, like, the numbers and shit, and it's like, okay, that's actually interesting. Because they had to get the safe open to get the doorknob to get out of the room. Which I'm glad they did, because the past two rooms they had to find a magical key. And it's just like, is is it always going to be a fucking key, guys? That's kind of boring. Man, I have never done a suspense. I've never done an escape room. They're fun. I've you gotta wanted get a, you to. You gotta get the right group, though. Like that's the thing. I don't have a group of people that I could do an escape room with because I've told you about my roommates. Yeah, if we ever manage to have a DDP meetup, we'll do an escape room. Yeah, I think there's one over in a Peterborough. But anyway, so they manage to they like they get the pool ball, and Iraqi vet is the one who managed to get it. So she's like fucking badassing her way over, and the pool ball slips out of her pocket. Because she's wearing the classic woman skinny jeans, and designers don't fucking know to put pockets in pants. Yeah, that that's sorry. The, no, no, th- that's totally fair. Like every single joke I see online about women's clothing is just like, "That's a great outfit." Thanks, it has pockets. <laughs> but she has to drop down onto the floor below, and it's a it's a good fall. It's like twenty twenty five feet. So like she like she's staggered by it. She grabs the uh, pool ball, tosses it over. And then the floor falls out. No. I'm like, fuck! And she grabs onto the phone. phone. Like, the phones were big in the past two rooms, and they never show up again. Um, and I'm like, how the fuck is that holding her up? And they're all like, well, everybody but accountant. Again, accountant being the asshole, like, I'm fucking on. I'm, I'm moving on. Everybody else is trying to get her. It's like, hey, man, fuck you assholes. I'm gonna go out of here and then go and go bounce my checkbook. Later, bitches. <laughs> I think he was actually, like, a stock exchange guy or something like that, but whatever. I gotta go to NASDAQ. It's fucking crashing. <laughs> I don't know what stocks are. Me neither. Um, but, like, she she's just like, I'm sorry. And the cable snaps, like, right after she said her pivotal line. Because movies. Yeah. Um, like, I would have loved it if she'd been like, I'm so sorry. And then had to hang there for, like, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> While they're like, no, come on. Five minutes later, cable finally snaps. What <laughs> like, I, I would have got the hope to live. Got nope. Yeah, what I would have been into is <laughs> is like is like she's getting there and it is 
and is like looking around just trying to figure it out and then before and like as she gets that second of realization that she's about to die then it snaps it's just it's like it's like looking around it's like i ah! No, I, I always love uh, I love I love it when movies rip uh, rip defeat from the jaws of victory. I love it when like per- people have hope and then it's smashed across the rocks, just because that is like the pinnacle of you've destroyed that character. No, uh-huh. so if you're gonna kill him, kill him as best as you can. No, yeah, I know. I I, I trust me. I I know. Y- you'll find out. I have plans. Oh lord. <laughs> oh oh god no. <laughs> That's never a good sign when your DM tells you that. I mean, you're still looking for that barrel, right? Barrel? The apparatus of quality? Eh, not really anymore. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, I'm just so hyper-focused on killing one dude and defeating a demon that... Man, beyond that. (laughs) I now kind of want to have the guy that you're focused on killing kill you with the apparatus of quality. That would suck ass. But, uh, so yeah. On to the next room. Which, I... This is the room where they kind of reveal, oh, and this corporation's been observing you and figuring everything out so that they could murder you. Oh, my... And Zoe, proving that she's my favorite character, starts breaking shit. (laughs) Because she decides that there's no way they're going to actually win this shit by playing it straight. So she starts breaking the cameras and, like, trying to smash her way out of the room. Meanwhile, the other three are like, we're going to solve the puzzle. (laughs) Um, And Accountant kills Trucker. Because the puzzle is that they have to match their heart rate to a certain range that the EKG wants to open the door. Yeah. And they all assume that it's a high heart rate. And since Trucker has a fucking high heart rate, because all he does is sit on his ass and eat cheeseburgers, uh, they're like, we'll shock you with the fucking uh, defib, and that'll raise your heart rate. Kills him with one. (laughs) Yeah, like... Like, literally. He just... And Trucker's dead. And, like, Ben rushes over to try and give him CPR. And it's at that moment that uh, Psycho Accountant realizes that you have to lower your heart rate. Something that, in that situation, really only a trained martial artist or a sociopath would be able to do. (laughs) And he manages to drop his heart rate to 50. That's fucking impressive. Yeah. Otherwise, the room would fill with poison, and, like, Ben and Accountant go, but Zoe refuses to go with them. Now, I'm going to actually skip over something that they showed here, because it kind of ruined things a little bit. It made things a little too obvious. But they go into fucking trippy-ass checkerboard room. Like, literally, the entire room is covered in twisted checkerboard patterns. Uh It's all black and white. It actually looks really fucking cool. And then they go... There's a hatch in the floor, and they have to open it. So, pretty simple puzzle so far. It was covered in DMT. Uh, I suppose... I I assume this is a hallucinogenic drug. And it was enough that it was probably going to kill him. 
So on the hatch is, real, is written, eh, you could go through if you want, but we recommend you find the antidote. <laughs> which is just the biggest fucking middle finger. Yes. So, DMT. I'm actually looking up DMT. <laughs> I was wondering why you went silent. Um, while he's looking that up, I'll continue. So, accountant and Ben... I think his name was Keith. I'm going to keep calling him accountant, so I'm not wrong. Actually, I know I'm wrong that he's an accountant, because I... He's a, he's a traitor. He's a, he's a traitor, not traitor. Traitor. I'm going to keep calling him an accountant. Oh, um, um, I... Uh, Jason. Who? That's... I. It's it's the black guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, name, the character's name is Jason. Okay. Because of course it fucking is. Anyway, the accountant... <laughs> What, just the, the way that you're fucking describing him, he sounds like a Jason. <laughs> anyway, the accountant sees that Ben finds the antidote and attacks him. He's like, that's mine! And Man. I'm pretty sure like, Ben literally turned around and was like, I found the... And he gets jumped. Yeah. So, like, they beat each other up, and accountant knocks his head on a table and gets killed that way. So Ben shoots himself with the antidote and drops down the hole, in which we cut back to the flash forward room, where they never told us why he didn't solve the right the puzzle. Like, at all. We don't know why he was wrong about the solution to the puzzle. It seems like a logical answer. But whatever. He ends up hiding in the fireplace using a shield to protect himself from the flames as the room crushes itself in, and that actually pushes the doors open so that he can escape. Okay. And he limps up the stairs to an area where there's a big screen that has all of the others listed as dead. And he's the lone survivor. And then a man walks in and he starts explaining everything. And then Ben was like, so I won, right? That means I get to live? And the guy's like, no. <laughs> the horse who wins the Kentucky Derby doesn't get a prize. Yeah, no, he gets turned into glue. And starts strangling him. <laughs> And now I'm going to actually explain what I skipped over earlier. You see, as we're panning out of the room, Zoe is collapsing to the floor, foaming slightly at the mouth. Which tells me that she was probably aspirating into her lungs at the time. Ah. And we see an oxygen mask. Which anyone who knows anything would probably assume that means Zoe set up a way for herself to survive the poison. So, the two cleaners come in and are like, uh, we got two bodies. And they see the oxygen mask, and they're like, what the fuck was she planning on doing on doing with that? And Zoe gets the fucking best one line. She goes fucking born identity on this. <laughs> like, she stands up and says, so I could breathe, bitch, and beats them both <laughs> unconscious with the fucking thing she was using to smash the walls in. <laughs> she then takes the pistol and leaves, and we cut back to her finding her way up to where Ben is, and shooting the games master in the back. And then a hacker, who I actually think was the guy who actually set up the game, because of the later stuff that we see, uh, a hacker changes it so that the surviving members, the people that are still in play, are Zoe and the games master. And Zoe, like, begins to hunt the games master with a pistol. Um, the games master disarms her. Uh, and then Ben beats him <laughs> to get her, get him off of Zoe, picks up the pistol and shoots him, double tapping to make sure he's fucking dead. As Zoe was about to say, make sure he's, 
Like, she literally says, make sure he's, as he's pulling the trigger the second time. <laughs> so Ben don't give no. Well, alrighty then. Um, and the two of them limp out together. And, again, I predicted something and I got it wrong. I predicted that the cops would be in on it and that they would kill Zoe and Ben. I was wrong. The cops, is uh, they actually, one second. Okay, well, while he's gone. I will say how I would end it. So, if I was the one writing this movie, what I would be doing is, the cops are in on it, but not to kill them. They're in on it to take them to the next part of the room, because what this is, is a never-ending escape room. Just this fucking company, this massive fucking conglomerate, has gotten so much power and stuff to fuck with these individual people that the escape room just never ends. Just, all right, made it out. Oh, that's safe. But then, whoops, you're another one. But up, up, but up, up. Like they take them over to like a hospital or something, just like get them treated for their injuries or whatever. Then they go to, they go to leave the room, hit the doorknob. It just fucking rips off. And then in there is like a fucking needle or something. The music swells, pulls out to show just show. Oh, the hospital is actually part of this massive complex. Woo. The way he's talking about it kind of reminds me, uh, just... Sorry about that emergency phone call that turned out not to be an emergency. Oh, no worries. Uh, I was just describing how I would end the movie. Mm. Okay, so a lot of people would assume, oh, they found out that the corporation cleaned the entire place. Movie's over. Oh, you Nope. This movie jumps the shark and it turns into the fucking jump. And it nearly ruined itself for me. <laughs> Like, Birdie, Birdie wasn't as happy with this movie as I was, I have to say. I loved the terribleness of this film. Birdie, not so much. Um, so, we cut to, like, months later, and Ben and Zoe are meeting for food. And Ben's like, well, I've gotten over my uh, issues because, you know, trauma. And I actually have a job now. A good one. And Zoe's like... I kind of became obsessed with the people who tried to kill us. <laughs> Let's go after them. And Ben's like, fuck it. Yeah, it's like, it's like, what, what, like what, good job, healthy life. Fuck that noise. Time for some revenge. Those cocks is lighter. So, so we then cut to a plane in, in the midst of crashing. And it's like, it's one of their escape rooms. And... Like, the two people that are doing the escape room manage to make it to the cockpit, where the pilots are both knocked out, and they grab the controls to see that they're about to crash into a mountain. And then the simulator cuts off. And <laughs> the woman complains, I hurt my hand on the fucking screwdriver dealy again. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they're a huge corporation, and they're testing the escape room to see the likelihood of survival before unleashing it on Ben and Zoe. Well, okay then. And, like, Birdie's like, what are they gonna do? Just make it an action movie the next time? I'm like, they could. Or, they could fucking scream this shit. They could fucking Nightmare on Elm Street this shit. Where they kill off the previous heroes at the beginning of the next movie. And then we get a little bit more lore with each film. How the company's uh, brought, up, brought together, how it works, how things are built, all that shit. 
Like, I think it could actually be an enjoyable franchise. I don't think it'll be good by any stretch of the imagination. So less Screamer Nightmare and more Cube. Yeah. Just ignoring Hypercube. Yeah. Because, yeah, that that was Escape Room. It... It's the best movie I've seen all January. <laughs> it's the only movie I've seen all January. <sighs> Moving on. Um, who here remembers the little old show from the uh, naughties called Monster Garage? No. Just me? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, Monster Garage was a show where auto mechanics just mixed bag auto mechanics would get together they would be set a challenge to convert car x into thing y uh it could be everything from turning a hot dog cart into a dragster to turning a um uh was turning a camaro into a race car to restoring a classic mercedes-benz like they did it all uh and it was a competition show if the team managed to complete the challenge, they would receive tools, CDs, and some other prize. Uh, they did not always succeed, and usually it was because of infighting. Very rarely was it ever because, uh, like, oh, the challenge was impossible. Usually it was because they couldn't get their shit together and work together. Um, and the reason I watch this is because it's on Netflix. It's currently streaming on American Netflix, season five of the show. But the reason I originally watched it is because I was a teenage boy. And this was a show about cars. And it's just, it's one of those formative shows from my childhood. I have one of their fucking shirts in my closet right now. And I wear it exclusively for when I'm working. Like, that is my work shirt. But, uh, I, I love, I love the show. I don't love the messages that it always has because it's a bit misogynistic. I mean, it was a, it's a gearhead show from the naughties. What do you expect? But um, no, it's it's. I I just I gotta I gotta explain with one of the challenges, I guess. Um, one of the first challenges that really like, the re- like one of the one of the first challenges that I watched that re-cemented my love of this show was the alien crop circle maker challenge (laughs) they had to take a tractor and rig it up so that it could make crop circles and they succeeded but the reason that this cemented re like re-cemented the show for me is that jesse then took the thing out and blew it the fuck up (laughs) and everybody was like why did he blow it up it worked jesse doesn't like hollywood and he doesn't like doing things exclusively for Hollywood. So they say, hey, this will make money. He says, I'm going to blow the shit up at the end of the episode because I don't like it. This is my show. I'm keeping that ability authority. Okay. So, yeah, he blew the motherfucker up. And then, like, you get a few episodes later and um, the show has had an issue with all female teams. Okay. One team succeeds, another team fails because they just spend the entire time bitching at each other. Yeah. And then we get to the third team, and like the voiceover guy's hesitant, Jesse's a little hesitant, but the girls are all like, we can do this. And they did dynamite. 
Like, they were supposed to convert a car into a dirt dragster that was competition legal. Uh, so they had to, like, do a bunch of modifications and stuff. And a previous team had failed at the challenge. Uh-huh. And they came in and fucking, they were dynamite. They were just dynamite at it. And the best part is, they took the piss out of Jesse. Because <laughs> he wasn't, like, all he did was the roll cage. I, I'm pretty sure that's what he, like, like I'm doing the roll cage and that was his thing. And, like, he comes in one day and his workstation has been girlied up. So there's pink stuff, there's, like, makeup, there's body sprays, there's doilies. And, like, it was the best part. One of them starts dying laughing, and she has a hilarious laugh. And, like, the camera guy won't leave her alone. <laughs> He's just like, no, I'm getting this on film. This is too funny. Yeah, it's like, hey, yo, Jesse, get but, like, This lady's awesome. Like, they tend to do two kinds of things. They either convert muscle cars into like like motorcycles not motorcycles uh race cars they like convert street legal cars into race cars or they convert it into something weird like the time they converted an rv into a fun house yeah some of the some of the uh descriptions that are, li- that are listed on here for like examples of what the show is about was turning a pt cruiser into a wood chipper yep uh, that was one of my favorite episodes turning a school bus into a pontoon boat Yep. Turning a cop car into a donut shop. Yep. And uh, taking a Toyota Tundra and modifying it so that it could launch motorcycles. I didn't see that one. But uh, streaming on Netflix currently, they have the episode where they take a Ferrari and turn it into a pasta shop. They take an ice cream truck and turn it into an ice racer that still serves ice cream. You know. Uh... They have an they build an automatic milking machine like it's a vehicle that you can put a cow into, hook it up, drive it to a place, and then it will milk and pasteurize the milk. Yeah. It'll they, milk the cow and pasteurize the milk for you, so you can drink it immediately. Then you hit the nos, and the cow just goes. <laughs> Actually, they like this was the one time they put a muffler on. <laughs> Jesse does. Jesse didn't like mufflers. I think he's dead. I'm not sure. Jesse James. Yeah. Uh, no, he's not dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's alive. He he was married to Sandra Bullock for a couple of years. Yep. Um, but another episode, you get to see how much of a a bit of a nerd he is. Um, they're building a a, a steam powered boat, and he's just like, "Yeah, I've wanted to build one of these since I was a kid." <laughs> <laughs> And he actually has rules to tell if someone is is an expert. If they're not an expert, they you're not even going to bother asking them. If they are an expert, they will say, no, I don't know what I'm doing, when you ask them if they know what they're doing. If they aren't an expert but think they are, they'll be like, of course I know what I'm doing. And he, he hated on one of the guys the entire time because he was like, we have to do things the traditional way. And Jesse's just like... But we've got better technology. Traditional way. So he asks the guy, so, uh, do you know how all this is going to go together? And the guy just looks at him like, of course not. <laughs> it's, just, it's such a great moment. Oh, man. But no, Monster Garage, it's a lot of fun. If you're, if you're a gearhead or if you just like watching cars, it's streaming on American Netflix. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere else. I will check. Um... Start bombarding them with wishes for Junkyard Wars. Because obviously they haven't heard my voice. 
Uh, the last thing that I feel like I want to talk about today, uh, so y'all, y'all, y'all guys watch Troll Hunters? I don't know why I did that accent, but, three below, y'all kids watch that they're, uh, Troll Hunters? It's like a... Three below released, um, and it's fun. Uh, I, I'm only, like, five episodes in, um... There, uh, there are points where I think I could say something spoilery, so I'm going to avoid talking too much about it. But it is, it's enjoyable. It's, it feel, it feels kind of like we're back at season one of Troll Hunters. And um, so, just uh, for reference, uh, Monster Garage is on Canadian Netflix, but it is only season five. Yeah, that's the only season we have on American Netflix. Alrighty then. Yeah. So watch we're good. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no. Three Below, it's a lot of fun. It's the same animation style. It's the same... I, I, it's either the same or it's a similar team. Um, we're getting to see more of the characters from Troll Hunters. You know, Palchuk and his nerdy sidekick, whose name I can't remember. And the two chicks that palled around with uh, Claire. Um, so we're all we're getting more of those characters, which is... You know, it's fun. We're getting to see more of characters that we already like and getting our new characters. Um, I've actually been told that one of my characters in D&D is Varvatos Vex. So those of you who have watched it, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who didn't, uh, Varvatos Vex tends to yell at a monotone and declare war on everything. And my absolute favorite joke of the series so far is Varvatos' Vex's human body. Because they all have human forms that are generated for when they leave the ship. And Varvatos' Vex's body is a feeble adult male, an old man. And it's it, he looks like this because, as one of the trailers pointed out, uh, give us forms that no one will pay attention to. All right, Hispanic, girl, Old man. <laughs> <laughs> Just Hispanic? I'm pretty sure that's what the trailer said. <laughs> I go, I'd have to watch the trailer again, but I'm pretty sure that's like the, the joke. And like, I no, like, am checking. Cause it, that can't be right. No, I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm pretty sure I'm like dumbing it down, but still like that, that was the joke that they were trying to get across. Um, It's a lot. It's a lot of fun, especially uh, the fish out of water thing because they don't overdo it. Like I was worried they were going to overdo the whole "oh we don't know anything about human customs" thing, but like it's not so irritating. It's just mildly irritating. Okay, so I found the, the right joke you're referencing. Okay, and it is, uh, and yeah, it's computer voice is like. It's like, we will determine forms for you. That will not, whatever. And then it's like, a girl, a Latino, and you, Commander Vex, will be an elderly citizen. So I wasn't far off. You were not far off. <laughs> it's just like, good God, I did not expect a joke like that today. But no, it's it, the show is great. Um, I loved Troll Hunters. Uh, one thing is that I am trying to go into this story and I am having to fight my nerd senses because I'm trying to figure out how I could explain the science and magic 
of the Troll Hunters slash Three Below world set. Which I really shouldn't do because that'll give me headaches. Yeah, the steer the steer this animation style is still like it works a bit better with like the aliens and like the non humanoid stuff, but still just showing people it is still disconcerting. Confuses me. Like they're they're energy based life forms that still project a physical body and when they die they're reduced to crystalline forms that can be regenerated. So it's Steven Universe. Yeah, I guess. Actually, yeah. Oh, and the dog has laser piss? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's the joke to cap off the trailer, is the dog goes over to a fire hydrant, lifts his ass up in the air, and then just lasers half the hydrant off. Yeah. Just face but yeah, that's what up. I've been watching. <laughs> Alrighty then. So... If you had it ended with Monster Garage, I could have then very easily transitioned into a show I've been watching, but you didn't, so fuck me, I guess, the Titan Games. Hey, I typed what fu- what the fuck uh, my views were. You could have told me the order you wanted me to present them in. I have never done that. Yeah, and whose fault is that? No one's? Exactly. So the Titan Games. And you actually watched the Titan Games? Yes, I did. I watched the first episode because I am a basic bitch. I like The Rock. Are there any speed-based challenges in that? Uh, technically, yes. Okay, what is, what's the speed-based challenge? I'd, well, it's... Okay, so when you... I'm just going to fucking describe the show, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So, Titan Games. It is a new physical challenge-based fucking uh, reality show uh, on NBC, and it is all designed and run by The Rock. And if it's all endurance-based like I think it is, then I would fucking dominate. It is all... Yeah, it's, yeah so it is all... Um, the, the way that it's described is that it is all big physical challenges that are based off of The Rock's workout routines. And one thing I kind of appreciate about the show is the fact that The Rock is front and center the entire time. Since you want to have his uh, children, yes. Okay, that's your canon, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but no, no, like, uh, like the, the series that this kind of reminds me of is Ultimate Beastmaster. Which is another series that I fucking found out about because it features an act because it features like a fucking entertainer from somewhere else. Like Ultimate Beastmaster was built by Sylvester Stallone. Oh God. Yeah. And in terms of his actual involvement in the show, he is there for the intro of episode one and then never again. Whereas Dwayne the Rock Johnson is on screen for a significant chunk of the show, it actually serves as all actually serves as like a fucking co-announcer and kind of color commentator. That's actually awesome because The Rock is awesome. Yeah, like like uh, like they have two color commentators who are like, you know, comedians or like like entertainers in some capacity and they also have a, another person who is there doing like, you know, character profile stuff. But then you also have but like during those character profiles, it is The Rock calling these people up saying, "Hey, you're in the Titan Games." Describing some of the challenge, describing the challenge to an extent, and then it is there watching them compete and is there to congratulate them after they've won or lost. 
Cool. And so I've only seen the first episode. Don't know how many have aired because it's a fucking physical challenge based reality TV show. I'm not going to follow that fucking closely. <laughs> but the idea of it is each episode is, uh, I believe it is eight people or some, some fucking, some fucking nomination of even numbers, uh, equal numbers of guys and girls. And it is each thing essentially has like two segments to it of, of like, all right, so yeah, the girls do this challenge. All right, so the guys do this challenge, the girls do this challenge. The second team of guys do this challenge, the second team of girls do this challenge. And then the winners of both of those challenges then compete for, like, the big part of the course. The challenges that we saw them go through uh, was this weird kind of tug-of-war thing where you essentially, so you essentially had this, like, you essentially had this, like, seven-foot fucking tall pommel horse with these ten-foot-long fucking hundred-pound metal poles poked through it. And at the center of it, at the tallest part of it, you have a longer and even bigger pole. And so how the challenge works is you run over to one, each person runs over to one side and then pulls out three poles. They're, they're like standard length. They're like the standard ones. And, uh, and once you get all three of those out, you then climb up toward the top of the, you're going to climb up toward like the top of the wall where the bigger pole is and then try to pull that thing out. And both sides are doing this. Uh, so e yeah, so each side is able to see all the poles. They run to one side and then just fucking try to rip all them out. First to get them all out, then kind of has advantage of the tug of war part of things. And then they run up and then try to fucking tug of war while being, while trying to keep themselves balanced on this fucking, like I said, like a seven foot type, seven type fucking pommel, pommel horse thing. And they're just trying to fucking rip it out. Uh, they got one that is, uh, that is they have a sledgehammer that they need to hit into a, thing to make a giant log drop from the ceiling so they can then use it as a battering ram to try to break down a giant wooden door. Uh, okay, it sounds like this is like a training course for Viking invaders. Yeah. Another one is uh, they yeah, another one is you are going up like a you're going up an incline carrying a metal pole on your back that has chains on it and every step you take causes more slack to give on the chain thus you are carrying more of the chain's weight. Then you get to the then you get to the very top. You have to put it into a wheel and then roll up the chain in order to lift a fucking like twenty five or like some some ridiculous amount of weight on those on that chain to get it up to the top of this to get it up to get the chain all entirely roped up in order to get it like thing. Yeah, it's a whole fucking thing. And all and there's a couple others that I probably don't remember because fuck me. But then we get but then we get to the big final part of this thing, Mount Olympus. And with Mount Olympus, uh, that is a multi-part stage where you have to first push a, it's, it's like, there's like a hundred, there's like 150 pound, like giant bar, like, like frame of bars. They have to push up into a second one. That's the same weight. And then a third one that is the same weight, essentially pushing 450 pounds up a hill. Then climb over a series of rotating barrels. How much did it weigh? I feel like 450 pounds. Jesus Christ. Or something ridiculous like that. And then they have to climb over these like rotating barrels, like, you know, that standard thing. Uh, then, then you have to climb a wall, which is a, which is a, like, it is a wall made of like, you know, paper and plaster and stuff. And you have to punch your own footholds and handholds. 
finish that, you get up to the top, and you, and so you have to uh, crank up this. Uh, you have to crank a crank in order to get this giant tow, this giant fucking like pylon lifted into the air. Once it gets all the way up and it lights on fire, you then have to go down a slide, which then leads to a five foot high wall, six foot high wall, and then seven foot high wall, which you then have to oh, scale lovely. to get to the next part of the slide. Getting down from that, there is a sledgehammer tied to a massive ball and chain that you have to drag across the entire arena to a stone slab, smash the stone slab up with a sledgehammer to pull out a giant metal key, bring it up to a fucking podium, put it in, turn it, lock it in, win the game. It is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, this sounds insane. I still think I would dominate, but... Yeah, and... Because it all looked like it was mostly strength and endurance-based. Uh, no, like, it, it is strength-based a lot, but, uh, it's, but it's also, like, it is... It, it is strength and, it is strength-based and stuff, but then it's also a matter of, like, technique of, like, gathering momentum to swing the giant thing, or for, like, the Tug War thing, that is, like, fucking grip strength on a pole that you can't grip. I still think I would do well. <laughs> like... It, do, it didn't look like it was that intense of a workout to me, because I'm also a guy who can bench 300 pounds, so, like. Yeah, they had a, a one of the people on there was a power lifter, and they yeah, struggled. Yeah, he'd probably kick my ass, <laughs> but I think I'd do fucking well, especially if I got a guy like him on my team. And it's not teams. <laughs> I thought you said it was teams. No, it, no, it, no, it's not teams. It is It is like pods, essentially. It's it's like there there are pods of two people, they compete, and then the winner of each of those pods fight each other. Or compete against each other. It's 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 like it's it's just one v it's one v one. But there are guys in it's like one v one divided up into guys and girls. Uh but one of the things that this show is uh, very much touting, like the rock is touting it, and it was kind of touted in like the brochure materials, is the weight and challenges is the same for both women and women. Like with some of these shows, like with some of these shows, it would be like, oh yeah, so we're going for weight stuff. All right, so yeah, for the women, it's like a hundred, whatever. No, the women are li- the women are doing the same amount of weight and stuff as the men. That's good. Yeah, and for any sexist bastard who says that's biased, they can go fuck themselves. Yeah, like it's, it's not it's, like guys aren't competing against girls. It's still, it's still, it's like men are competing against women. It's still like you know, divided down that level, but all the weight is still the same. All the challenges are still the same. It's just. The women compete against the women, the guys compete against the guys. And this is all leading up to a bigger fucking massive thing where all the winners from all the things will be, will be like fucking going against each other and they'll be going against each other to to crown one male and one female Titan above Titans. And then that is when Zeus comes down and slays them for no Titans may rise. Exactly. Exactly. That's all this is. Like fucking the rock is just a plant for the Greek for the Greek pantheon. Yeah. Preparation. Yeah. Hercules he was is the modern day Prometheus. No, nah, man, it's this is like You thought Hercules was just a movie the rock was in. Nah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh so the show is fine like they do what you would expect of a fucking physical competition show. The only difference is the rock is there. And one of the, I guess, draws of the first episode 
was one of the one of the one of the competitors was a grandma, and she actually managed to make it to Mount Olympus and actually compete in the finals. Okay. So yeah, that Titan Games. It's fine. It's one of these shows. I might watch it again. If I never watch it again, I won't lose a lot of sleep on it. No, that's just going to be the insomnia. Yep. Yeah, that will just beat that. Uh, so, moving right along. Uh, so, uh, the Arrowverse. Over the over the course of the break, or whatever, uh, the Arrowverse, they did their whole big fucking crossover thing. Elseworlds. It was alright. It carried a lot less weight behind it. Uh, because A, the legends weren't involved, and they're the best. And B, I'm not watching any of the shows that were actually featured in this thing, so it, I didn't care. Then why'd you watch it? Because I fucking had to, man. <laughs> no, you didn't. In my mind, I did. It was the big fucking thing, man. These crossover events are essentially the only reason I have any connection to these fucking shows that aren't Legends of Tomorrow. Because Legends of Tomorrow is the fucking best. Fight me, assholes. Yeah, uh, it was... Uh, so, Elseworlds, it's a big fucking thing. Uh, oh my god, you bury the green arrow, you know, for your flash, woo and Supergirl is there. Ooh. I could care less. Yeah, it, it's a big fucking crossover thing, and like one of the <laughs> primary characters is barely in it. Yep. But yeah, it is. It is building up to their crisis because this is the because this is the introduction to in the Arrowverse of the monitors. Because that's the whole thing. The monitor, uh, like, the thing starts out with the monitor uh, walking through a destroyed JSA with, like, with, like, fucking, um, with John Wesley's ship in his 90s Flash costume. The one that he hates. Okay. And is like, yeah, you guys fucking suck. Let's see what the next people, let's see what the next people do. And then just kind of ports over to the, to the next world and gives a fucking book to a dude. And then that dude is like, all right, yeah, let's see what I can fucking do with this. And then that means switching out those two guys and apparently kind of nothing else. And, and, and With a thing this fucking big, you'd think it'd be like, this is the introduction of the monitors. This is a crossover between three fairly big superhero shows. This is the introduction of a bat character into this universe. You'd think I'd have more to say. I really wouldn't. Because I know the three shows that are going into this. I've watched all of them. Yeah. The only thing that fucking sticks out of my mind at all about these fucking shows, about this fucking episode, or this event, or whatever, is the fact that they're, is the fact that they're like, alright, yes, yeah, so we need to go over to fucking Supergirl's Earth. And then they port over there. But before they do, they like cut over to show what's happened there. And... They cut over and it turns into Smallville for a hot second. Because because they're going to the fucking Kent farm in, in fucking Smallville and they 
use the same establishing shots. They have the fucking Smallville opening theme play over those establishing shots. You know, speaking of that, I'm really peeved that they canceled Justice League action. Oh, they did? That's what Birdie told me. I hope he's wrong and you find out otherwise. Yeah, I haven't heard shit about Justice League action. Birdie told me that it was canceled. It's on Hulu if anybody's interested, but... Yeah, so... <sighs> these crossovers are going to... Just going forward, these crossovers are going to have... If this is the fucking level of quality we can expect from future crossover things, these crossovers aren't going to last much longer. Hey, I don't care so long as they don't fuck Legends of Tomorrow. And so far they haven't been. Legends of Tomorrow has been actually doing pretty all right, just kind of doing its own thing. Because Legends of Tomorrow is awesome. Yeah. And for a second, I actually thought they were going to write out Nate Haywood. Because like the way because like the way they set up him in like one of the other seasons is he actually leaves the ship to work at the time bureau office. I, I haven't like, gotten that far. Yeah, so we're just like, oh, never gonna see, we're never really gonna see him again. And then it's like, oh no, it's gonna we're going to be delving more into his character and his relationship with his father. I don't even remember who Nate Haywood is right now. Uh, metal guy. Ah, the forensic historian. Hey. It's a job. <laughs> I don't know if it's a real job, um, but I mean, it's a job. Yeah, I mean, he was able to afford all that wax for his fucking hair. <laughs> his hair is ridiculous. You know what else is ridiculous? What's that? The Adam developed a serum that would allow someone to turn into steel. Yeah. And instead of making it again... Or trying to make up something new. Since he can clearly invent superpowers, he just goes, eh, and moves on with his life. I got my robot suit. I'm trying to fuck this witch. It's fine. Yeah, that shit is weird. <laughs> They're married. It's fine. Doesn't make it any less weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just tomorrow, actually. Just. Quick talk about that. Uh, that has been kind of fantastic. They had a so so. Uh, have how what what where did you leave off? Um, they were in medieval England, and a demonic voice was talking through people. Well, shit, you are good guy. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, no, it's on, it's on my docket of things to just mainline when Insomnia stops being a monster. Like, It, Three Below, um, I think there's other stuff, but I can't quite recall off the top of my head. Well, I can't really talk about it then, because anything I have to talk about would be spoilers. Okay, then I will mainline it over the next two weeks, and we will talk about it next time. Okay. The point is, Legend of Tomorrow is still fantastic, and I cannot wait for it to come back next week. Uh, so, from there, um, as we'll talk a bit about Voltron, because Voltron had a new season, the final season. And That's the other thing that's on my list. <laughs> yeah, so, weird thing, um, Netflix on Twitter tweeted out a video that was the end of the series. Oh my god, what? 
Netflix tweeted the epilogue of the series af- like a day after the series premiered on Netflix. Uh, Netflix, two weeks. <laughs> the rule is two weeks. Yeah. Fucking Christ, Netflix. Yeah, and so I watched the first couple episodes of season eight, watched that ending, and then had no motivation to watch the rest of the series. Yeah, seriously, Netflix, two weeks. That is the rule. But I'm going to say the ending posted on, like the epilogue posted on the on Twitter was not the thing that killed my interest. What was it? Watching the first couple episodes killed my interest. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, just I did not care. Yeah, going, going, you know, this, this is the big fucking final confrontation. They have like they have like fucked off the Galra Empire from Earth. They have and they are going out into space to fucking deal the final blows to the fucking empire, to deal with fucking Hagar and the goddamn remnants of that shit. But there is just nothing for me. I somehow do not give half a goddamned fuck about the ending of the series. Just do you give a single Satan blessed fuck? No. No, just oh. I just I my interest in this show has been slowly waning from season to season. Like like those first couple seasons, I was like in it. I was like fucking down to go because it was Studio Mir, who I enjoyed, and then it was also fucking Voltron, and with a great voice cast and a solid hook that I I could really get into. And season five, fucking, I believe it was season five or season six, they had some fucking moments in that. I still want to run a fucking Voltron-esque game for somebody. Yeah, but then well, you get I to say s- run, play a Voltron-esque game. Yeah, but then you get into season seven, and I just and it's just like, oh, fucking Lance wants to bork the princess. Then, uh-huh. Earth is fucked. What Shiro's gay? That means nothing. Which is exactly what a character's sexuality should mean. Yeah, if, if if they were gonna fucking do anything with that, if that was ever going to be a thing that actually mattered, you'd think that we would have seen some hint of his relationship with that guy in any of the flashback, in any of the fucking flashbacks featuring featuring his surrogate younger brothers and sisters. We have goddamn three characters who could have something of a meaningful relationship with with fucking Shiro's boyfriend. And we didn't hear dick about him until the episode before he dies. Good God. That is some fucking bullshit right there. And yeah, there yeah, that 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 show has quickly gone from being something that I couldn't wait for to something I could not care less about. I keep telling myself I have to watch the ending because I was so dedicated to the show in the beginning. But you don't. I... Just fuck it. Hey, you want to watch the ending? <laughs> hey, hey, you want to watch the ending? Get a Twitter account. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <sighs> you know the best part? I'm actually considering getting a Twitter account. 
Yeah, fuck it. it. But exclusively to, uh, like, apparently there's a subculture on Twitter that's like, choose your own adventure books written in tweets. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and that's the only reason I'm considering getting a Twitter. <laughs> that is literally the only reason. Well, alrighty then. Oh, uh, yeah, from, we went on from there. I uh, watched another episode of Black Mirror. I I want to mainline that show, but I am, but it is just the episodes are just a bit much to have to hand for me to handle more than one at a time. Which is weird. Like it's not. It's not like it's not like oh this shit's doing like oh fucking do it. It just I I don't know. I don't know what the fuck that was. I turned into fucking Sylvester Stallone having a stroke. <laughs> but it's just watching those episodes. Gets this weird feeling in like the back of my skull where I'm just like, if I watch too much of this, I'm going to go down a dark road in my head. And like, it's not even, it's not even like the episodes are like super fucking dark or anything. Like I'm not turned off by any kind of dark fucking shit about like the future technology or whatever. It's just, they are written in such a holy believable way to me that I can't really like it it's weird it's like looking it's like looking into like it's like looking into a dark mirror I was trying to find a way to not say that (laughs) I know that's why I just fucking said it because you were gonna sit there trying to figure out yeah I was gonna sit here trying to come up with a different metaphor than the title of the show not gonna happen oh wait sorry why they chose the goddamn title sorry i actually watched two episodes of the show so i have so previously i had seen the one where he fucks the pig and the one about the treadmills oh sorry not treadmills bicycles and so then i watched two episodes after that which were about um memory implants and uh an ai resurrection of your spouse based off of his online presence So just get more into it. Uh, so yeah, the one with the, the one about memories. Um, yeah, it is a guy. It, it is in a not too distant future where a device has been created that you can implant into your fucking head or whatever, and it uses your eyes as cameras and it records everything you see. It stores it stores it all like up with the cloud and shit, but then you're able to access whatever you want and just fucking go and watch me- old memories of yourself. You can show, you can like broadcast old memories of like what you've done to other people. That's, that's actually a thing at parties. Like like they, like the fucking main character goes to like a dinner party with his wife, and when they get there, the first thing they're doing is is a guy is showing him his vacation from his memories. I just got to imagine, like, how much footage of masturbation must oh, be Oh, no, yeah. It, it, is, it is ludicrous. <laughs> Hell, one of the characters has multiple folders of every one of his sexual encounters that he can masturbate to later. And the folder that has the most footage? The masturbation folder. Yeah. I occasionally like to jack off to myself jacking off. 
It's not gay. Yeah, it's not gay if it's yourself. But yeah, and so then the whole thing is about uh, is about like you about these memories and the, the memories tearing this relationship apart because every single like it's it's the standard thing of like oh if memories were perfect then every single bad thing that a person ever did would be instantly there as would every single good thing and since good things tend to outnumber bad things the social construct states that people would actually spend more time being positive than negative yes but then but then it's like oh, okay yeah so oh i think my wife's cheating on me let me just rewind my memories to look at every single minute detail i captured of her and see if i can figure out if she's cheating on me and then finding out that she is yeah and then and then getting so drunk that you go over to that guy's house and threaten to and threaten smash a fucking vodka bottle open and then threaten to stab out his memory implant and then going through and then and then getting so blackout drunk that you forget the entire thing running through those memories again and then finding a memory and then finding an image of his memories in your memory that then kind of go to show that your daughter isn't your daughter but his yay why do you watch this show because it's fucking cool man I don't want to live in that future yeah don't worry the next episode doesn't have that at all Instead, it is in a. Instead, it's in a future where uh, Haley Atwell is married to Donald Gleason, which, I, I mean, sure, but like, come on, man. That's the part you disbelieve. That's the part I disbelieve. Oh my god, dead man. But yeah, yeah. So uh, Haley Atwell, she is a like, she's like a artist, like a freelance artist who does who does like work for advertisers and stuff. And they're moving into a new, they're moving into an old house. Uh, they are moving into um, Domhnall Gleeson's old childhood home. And the day they move in, or like not long after they move in, uh, I, no, sorry, it is the day they move in. But yeah, the day they move in, uh, Domhnall, he goes off to go return the van that they, that they rented and dies. So she, so Haley was like, oh, fucking God, Jesus Christ. So a friend of hers, um, Signs her up for a service that she used after her husband after her husband had died, where the service essentially runs through a like you, you give the service a name and then they run through every single social media post and online fucking activity that person had forever and then constructs an AI based on that person's personality that they determined from their online presence. Okay. And so it's essentially a digital ghost. And she like and yeah, so she starts so initially she's like just freaking the fuck out. And so then she starts talking to it. Using like using like a fucking Skype messenger or whatever. Cause that's how it starts. It starts out as it starts out as like, all right, yeah, so we'll just fucking talk on this thing. And it's like, oh, it's actually responding how I think my husband would have responded. And she gets super into it. So then she gives it access to all of his private stuff that he didn't post publicly to build a more complex and complete uh, picture of this guy. They then start talking on the phone because it develops a voice synthesizer to be able to to make his voice properly. And again, it's 
basically is basically the guy. And she starts having like an actual relationship with this fuck starts developing like a, like a real rapport and kind of relationship with this thing and develops a dependency on it. Mm-hmm. And then she orders his body. Like it's this fucking it's like higher tier level of fucking service that this, this fucking thing offers. Where you get the, where you get a body in parts, put it together, put it in the bathtub with some electrolytes. Oh god. And then it grows a person. Like it like develops the actual like features of the guy. And then she's like, Yeah, okay, so I'm living with a robotic clone of my husband. And then she fucks it for like three days. Oh. Oh god. Why? Because, man. Why why do you tell me these things, dead man? Because we're on a sh- podcast where I talk about TV shows and Black Mirror's a TV show. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Your world is too gross. It's just sex. Your world is too gross. You're the one with a wife. Yeah, but she's not going to fuck my corpse. It's not a corpse. It's a robot that looks like you after you died. You ordered the corpse. You did not order a corpse. You ordered a robot. Eh, gross. (laughs) (laughs) What? It's essentially Extra Steps Vibrator. It's going to be getting there eventually, man. Like, the second somebody develops robots that look like people, someone's going to fuck it. Hell, we aren't even at the part of where robots look like people, and people still fuck robots. There's a motherfucker who released a blowjob robot that was essentially a footstool with a with a fucking motor and a head that you then put a fake rubber head on. Yeah, I know about it. I don't want to think about it though. Ah, <laughs> uh, god damn it, dead man. You know what I'm I about. I like my world. It's sane. <laughs> Come on, man. You know what I'm about. Anyway, yeah. Black Mirror. It's still really fucking good. Like, it is a it is an incredibly smart show that actually that like does a lot of cool shit. And I kind of want to watch it all before I am before I even attempt to delve into the fucking whatever the hell it is that Bandersnatch is. Which, from what I've read, I think it's a choose-your-own-adventure movie. Where you just, like, get to certain points, and then you can, like, then it, like, loads up a new movie. Based on the choice you make. Uh, but anyway, moving on from there, um, I started rewatching Happy. Which is a... Great show that I forgot how much I really enjoy, and I'm going to be. Get, I'm, going to be I'm just trying to rewatch it all because season two starts in March. For those who don't remember it, and for Caveman who may or may not have watched it, and if he did watch it, maybe he's suppressed it based on his reaction to things I've talked about. Uh, Happy is a series based off of a graphic novel by Grant Morrison, starring Christopher Lo- Christopher Maloney and Patton Oswalt. Uh, Chris Maloney is a former cop turned mob hitman who is contracted by his daughter, by his 
hitherto unknown daughter's imaginary friend, Happy the Magic Horse, to track her down after she got kidnapped by Santa. What? What, did I not tell you about this before? You probably did, and I just suppressed it. Yeah, so Christopher Maloney, he is a he is a hitman. He is a, he's like like a hard drinking alcoholic asshole who is nigh unkillable. And he fucking Yeah, yeah, he's he's like kind of doing his job one night. Uh he gets a password to like to like this blackmail file from an old uh from like a mob guy that he just from the from a from the nephew of a mob boss that he just that he had just killed and it was like it was his dying confession to tell him the password of this fucking file. Which then puts him on the radar of every mob organization in the fucking city of New York. While that's happening, a fucking flying blue horse with a unicorn horn shows up and says, hey, I'm happy. I'm your daughter's imaginary friend. I need you to save her because very bad Santa has kidnapped her. And I do know that happy is real. Like, people of. have said, people have talked about, it, and there's no way in hell happy can't be real. No, no, imaginary friends are real physical things. What? Yeah, like, like imaginary friends. That there is a. They interrogate an imaginary friend. Okay. Yeah, they go to an imaginary friend support. Yeah, happy. Um, after like after happy. Uh, like kind of. They happy hit the low point, and so he goes to a, an imaginary friend support group of imaginary friends who've been abandoned by their children. And eventually, and they, and while there, he meets a sock puppet who is the imaginary friend of very bad Santa, a child kidnapper, a child abductor. So, so Nick Sachs, Christopher Maloney, and Happy interrogate a sock puppet. Okay. In order to like track down fucking Santa. And it's this whole big fucking thing involving like criminal empire and child trafficking ring run by the star of a children's television show. That is. That's into like super weird fetish shit. Like his name's like Mr. Bug or something. Like, well, his, his his character name that he plays out in the world is Sunny Shines, who runs who runs like the Sunny Shines Empire. Uh, got these things called Wishies, which are these fucking weird, fucking Teletubby Furby monstrosities. And his children's show is incredibly sexual, that no one ever really addresses. And then yeah, he and then he also runs a criminal empire as Mr. Bug. A man wearing a gas mask and latex and leather bug costume that he then that he then wears to go hang out in his weird fuck pit. Okay, I'm processing this. And also, like hell is real and demons are a thing. Well, we know that from living with you. Oh, you talk, you meant the show? Yeah. Yeah, one of the plot points is uh, the kid who gave Christopher Maloney the password, he comes back to life and he is and is possessed by a demon. 
Okay. This show's great. It is just fucking off the wall, insane violence with a really fun to hate, unlikable protagonist with, with like a really interesting buddy dynamic with the, with like the fucking flying horse. Uh, the world it sets up is just this fucking ludicrous fucking place. And everything kind of feels like a cartoon, like in the graphic novel, it was. There's a fucking. Gra- oh, of course, there's a fucking graphic novel. It's based off a comic. I said that at the start of all this. Yeah, I kind of glazed over it. Okay, can you really blame me, Dad? So it's written by Grant Morrison, who, for those who don't read comics, is a man known for things, specifically drugs. There's a story about Grant Morrison that he once got well, they once got high off his ass and wandered into the desert and met, met fifth dimensional beings. Okay, you cut off and it, it, it wandered off dimensional beings. Yeah, uh, Grant Morrison got high off his ass, wandered into the desert, and claims he met fifth dimensional beings. Okay, and it shows in his writing. But no ha- fucking joke, huh? But Happy is actually one of the more grounded series because it is is essentially a straight, hard-boiled, fucking gritty as, gritty as hell like murder story with a blue horse. Happy is the only real like super out there aspect of the fucking world in the in the how comic. How many how many shots did I fire? Five or six? You only fired four. God damn it, Happy. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, and it's yeah, it's essentially like he's just going around murdering everybody just as just as per usual, and then occasionally a horse shows up and goes, "Well, gosh, you you sure did kill a lot of people." That's a heavy body count. Are Where, you sure you want to put a pull a bullet in his head too? Whereas in the show, um. There's one bit where Nick, uh, he is being, he's about to be tortured for information by a guy called Mr. Smoothie, who is going to use a circular saw to slice, to slice his penis into thin slices like salami in order to get, in order to torture him for information. He then uses that, he then gets that saw and uses it to cut his restraints at the same time slitting his wrist, uses the blood to slip, uses the blood to actually like kind of like slip out of his restraints a bit, uh, kills everyone in the room except for Mr. Except for Mr. Smoothie. And then with the last guy, he crushes his head with a fire extinguisher. And then while erotically talking, like while erotically using like sex, talk to Mr. Smoothie, just kind of like in the corner covered in Nick's blood. And then he takes the fire extinguisher and then finishes. On you the live guy. in a very interesting world, dead man. Yeah, and then he just fucking and leaves, steals the dude's, steals like a, just a doctor's fucking coat, and just walks out. And as their psychologist for all these years, I have to say, I think we've made great strides. I don't think we now, have. If you could just stop it with this imaginary uh, web series. <laughs> How many times have I told you? It's not a web series, it is a podcast. There is no plot. Right. Right. And you have a friend whose name is Caveman. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you fucking imagine? <laughs> yeah. Turns out this has actually been a web series all along, and there is a plot. And it's that, it's that uh, I am your psychologist trying to save you from your dementia. 
That would be some next level gaslighting. <laughs> but yeah, happy. It's fucking great. Season one's on Netflix. Watch it, people. It's fun. It is fun as hell. <sighs> Just if you aren't a prude like Caveman, you'll enjoy it a lot. Hey, I am not a prude. Your reaction to fucking a robot. The way you described it, it sounded like she was reanimating a corpse. I said robot multiple times. Yes, but the description was toss some bits into the water with some electrolytes. Yes, you got the robot parts, put them together, toss them in the water with some electrolytes. Robot was the... Whatever. Uh, So moving on, uh, I'm going to talk about a YouTube series. What I mean by that is a YouTube-produced television series. Because those are things now. Which is still weird to me. Like, YouTube is getting more and more into the whole, like, yeah, we're like a real production thing. We make, we make like, real shit. But it's YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, doesn't line up. Doesn't like connect in the way that they, the way that I think they want it to. Yeah, so it's a series called Wayne. It just kind of launched on Netflix and on YouTube a couple days ago. First episode's free, and it's produced by the writers of Deadpool. It's about a kid named Wayne who lives in. The most Boston part of Massachusetts without being Boston. Welcome to Boston. Like, yeah. Like that level. But only half the characters. The other half just speak like people. And yeah, Wayne's just this fucking kid who has a reputation for beating the fuck out of people whenever he th- whenever he sees something he thinks is wrong. Like he sees his buddy getting picked on, so he just walks up, steals the girl's trumpet, and beats a kid half to death with a trumpet. And the whole series is about him, like, him getting into a relationship with a 15-year-old, and I think he's like 17. As the two of them leave Massachusetts to go to Florida to beat the fuck out of the guy who, beat the fuck out of the guy who took, like, stole his mom away from his dad as well as his dad's car. Not doing a great job describing it. Not even sure if you're still here. I'm still here. I've seen trailers for this, and I just have been sitting there like, not really appealing to me. Yeah, it, like, I, like I said, I watched the first episode of it. It's the only one that's free, because I'm not going to be fucking paying for YouTube. And it's fine. Like writing up I think is, YouTube's kind of screwed itself over with that, with the mindset that we kind of have centered yeah. around it. Yeah, like, like we use YouTube. Like, I, it's people like us use YouTube. Like, and mainly we, we like upload stuff to them. It, it'd be it'd be a similar kind of thing. If Netflix started out as like, yeah, just upload your own stuff. And then, oh, by the way, we make real things now. Oh, by the way, you can pay us to get access to really good shit. 
Yeah. Which... Can't I just watch it for free on your streaming? No. Then why the fuck would I bother? Yeah, like, apparently it's doing pretty well for them because they're keeping... Because they keep pulling in, like, actual names and keep doing stuff. Hey, good for them. Yeah, I mean, fuck it, man. It's just... That seems to be hurting the rest of their platform because, like, just recently, um, YouTube announced, like, changes where they will start, like, striking and demonetizing videos with, like, certain things in their thumbnails. Like what? Like, violence or something like that. But they but they, they say, like, they said, like, yeah, so some recent changes. One of the things that aren't one of the things that is going to be changing, which is a rule that has been there forever, is we're going to be we're going to be changing some of the we're going to be like updating some of our policies on our thumbnails, which have always been the same and have never changed, even when they're changing. And like people who are like really big on YouTube, they've talked to people on YouTube who like YouTube has said like, "Hey man, just like all right, so just don't really swear or show any violence in like the first thirty seconds of a video." Oh, so, hey, you're popular, so we'll tell you how to bypass it. Yeah. Essentially. Real dick, YouTube. Real dick. Yeah. Yeah, Wayne, uh, it's... It's really fucking weird. I'm watching this thing that's like, all right, yeah, this is uploaded today on the Wayne... On, like, the, on, like, the YouTube channel made for this thing. Produced by the guys who wrote Deadpool. It looks like a real show. <laughs> what you know? What I think YouTube should do. What's that? I think they should um, introduce an alternative streaming platform, like UStream. So it's still under the YouTube brand, but it like it's the service you pay for to get the pay to watch YouTube shows. They aren't going to call it UStream. Isn't that already a thing? Actually, yes, it is. Is that a porn site? No, it's a no, it's a live streaming platform. Okay. That PlayStation Just, uses. Ah, there you that's go. it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Ed, I'm. I don't know. Wait, wait, just kind of all right. Because it looks like a real show. The writing is not very good. <laughs> well, uh, okay, it's TV writing. Where they will just, like, there's straight up a scene where just, like, he fucking, we're like, Wayne, we, we, like, the opening scene is Wayne smashing a dude's window, getting the shit beaten out of him, smashing that dude's other window, and then walking away. While some kids shove his bike a bit. Just, like, it's supposed to be a thing of, like, yeah, these kids are fucking breaking his bike while he's getting the shit beat out of him. But all they're really doing is, like... He's like, I'm going to push his bike a little. Eh. Eh, I'm not an impotent villain. Eh. Not even villains. They were in that one scene. They weren't seen again for the last episode. I'm not an impotent villain. Eh. Eh. I'll get you for this, Wayne. Yeah, and then he comes to his house where his fucking landlord is being a shitbag. I was like, hey, your dad's ducking me. Fuck you. Hey, your dad's ducking me. Like, I'm knocking on the door. He's not answering. And then Wayne's like, he has cancer. Well, that means he can't answer the fucking door? Yes. Yes, then Wayne breaks his wrist. Good. Uh, Girl shows up trying to sell Girl Scout cookies, and she, again, just incredibly Boston. They're not in Boston, but they might as well be. They're in Brockton, Massachusetts. (laughs) 
And yeah, she's like, hey, you fucking buy Girl Scout cookies. You fucker. What are you, a Girl Scout? No, I'm trying to run for mayor. That's literally her, that's literally her plan. She's selling Girl Scout cookies to raise money to run for mayor. Yeah, anyway, Wayne goes to school and then goes into his principal's office and his principal then begins explaining Wayne's character to us. Which is Wayne keeps getting into fights and beating the fuck out of people who, who like keep, who do things that Wayne considers wrong. Which we haven't seen up till now. Like, that opening scene could have been a fine example of fucking Wayne's character. Like, like Wayne, like, Wayne fucking rolls up to them, and then, and they're, like, they're like doing, and they're doing something. Something that, something that is considered bad. And then Wayne beats the fuck out of them. But no, the opening scene is, Wayne just pulls up to these guys. They're not, like, one of them is smoking? That's about it. Whoa. And then, and then Wayne goes past them to break some dude's window. It's not great. It's not great. It's not awful either. Like it, like it's competently made. It's just not particularly well written. On the movies, I guess now. Won't have much to say about these. I'll just fucking blaze through them. Uh, I watched Hackers. Because fuck it, why not? I. Hackers is not a very good movie. I really like Hackers. (laughs) You sound like me talking about Escape Room. (laughs) Yeah, like Hackers is. Hackers is a movie that was immediately dated. Like it was dated the second it was released. It is not super well written, not super well put together, but everyone is kind of going balls to the wall 10 at all times. Like Johnny Lee Miller is trying his goddamnedest to be the fucking cool aloof hacker boy, but is just Johnny Lee Miller does not fucking play that character. Matthew Lillard is Matthew Lillard. She's just in there. Uh, Angelina Jolie, she is the best actor in it. Like, just kind of overall. Both in terms of her actual quality of acting within the movie and then her actual qual- and then her quality of acting in comparison to the rest of the cast over their entire careers. And then also Fisher Stevens is in it as the bad guy. And Fisher Stevens, for those that don't know, played the Indian guy in Short Circuit. You know, that very white Indian guy. In a move that I still don't fully understand. Ever seen a short circuit? Uh, nope. Okay, there's an Indian character in that who's played by a white man. Like, like, an, like that I, happens. And when I say Indian, I mean, like, Indian from India. I assumed, because, well, I shouldn't assume, given... I hate America sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, he, he is doing the full-on Apu shit painted brown. 
full on a poo shit. <laughs> yeah, he is. He. I don't think he ever actually says it, but it would not sound out of place if he said, "Thank you, come again." <laughs> and the person I ever said that to was your mother. Yeah, and he's fucking painted. He's painted brown, man. Oh God. Like we see him in this, he is the whitest motherfucker you've ever seen. But in that, in that for two movies, he did that in Short Circuit One. And then when they made Short Circuit Two, he came back as the same character. I don't understand. That should have killed his career. Like I don't think you get to. That is. Good God. It looked like the fucking jazz singer. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and this is why I work with Dead Man. Because he always pulls some shit out that just shocks me right the fuck out of nowhere. <laughs> it's like the fucking jazz singer. Oh my gosh. Like, fuck, God, Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a thing. This, golden. This, is a, this is a thing that people did. It's just beauty. Actually, let me just... Let me just double check something here. I want to... I want to just fucking... It's just a thing of beauty it is. <laughs> it's the fucking jazz singers! You're killing me, you're dead. Oh, man. Fuck, God, Jesus Christ. Anyway, yeah, fucking... <laughs> I think they killed dead. <laughs> no, man. Uh, hackers. It's a, it's, a, it's a fun, really stupid movie that, like, does its best. This, it, this feels like the movie that kind of made what hacking is in film. Because they still kind of do this stuff, like spinning shots of dudes typing on keyboards, like close-up quick cuts of dudes typing on keyboards, just like running the camera over circuitry. Yeah, show that's hacking. still a big thing. It is ludicrous. Hell, there's one point during, there's one point in the fucking movie where, so the plot of the movie is Johnny Lee Miller's character, Acid Burn, sorry, not Acid Burn, Crash Override. When he was 10, he was a hacker known as Zero Cool or Zero Chill or whatever, who ended up causing hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage to the fucking DOD. He was then barred from using a computer that was connected to the internet for 10 years. 18th birthday comes around. He gets right back fucking into it and gets into a hack battle against someone called Acid Burn. And it's visualized because they're hacking into a TV station. So it's a fucking robotic arm fighting another robotic arm for a VHS tape. Mm. Oh, sorry. Not VHS. Betamax tape. Mm. And then we meet the rest of the crew, including Serial Killer. <sighs> who is Matthew Lillard. And the whole movie, the whole movie revolves around uh, this kid who hacked into this supercomputer and stole what he thought was a trash file, just like something to prove that he got in there and was like, yeah. But turns out the garbage, the trash file that he stole was actually a secret worm that was siphoning off money from every transaction that company made, and it was set up by the plague, aka Fisher Stevens, their security officer. 
That dude's name is Eugene. And anytime anybody calls him Eugene, he says, my name is the plague. Just this thin, this tiny, reedy looking white dude. Just call, just telling a fucking CEO of a multi-million dollar company, call me the plague. Oh, and his assistant is Penn Jillette from Penn and Teller. For no reason. Penn's just there. Yeah, so it turns to this big thing where like, like fucking Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie, they have to fucking work together with Matthew Lillard and the rest of the hacking community around the world to hack into this supercomputer to find proof that Fisher Stevens is stealing all this money and then release it to the world. And they do this through pirated television programs. Like they fucking hack, they hijack a, they hijack a TV signal and broadcast out to fucking Times Square on the big monitor. Fucking Matthew Lillard's sweaty fucking fucking braided hair goddamn face. I'm just like, hey man, Fisher Stevens is stealing all this fucking money. Look at these numbers we got. And the cops just let everyone go. It's ridiculous. Hackers is amazing. Uh, so, a less amazing movie, a movie that I couldn't even get through the first fucking 30 minutes of because just fuck Tom Cruise in that movie, uh, the Rain Man. I believe I've seen that film. Yeah, it's about Dustin Hoffman playing an autistic man who then who then his brother, um, Tom Cruise, uh, manipulates into winning him, winning him fucking millions of dollars in Vegas because he can count cards in his, in his head fucking instantly. Dead, you just sound tired. <laughs> the past. The past sucked. It sucked for everyone. If they weren't like a straight white guy. And straight white landowner. Yeah. And even just, regular straight white guys got fucked by the past. Yeah. And so, like, as someone with a mental disability. It is not great going into the going into past movies and hearing people talk about mental disabilities. Mm. And that's what this movie is. It is a movie about a man with autism and his brother, a cunt, who this this is an exchange in this movie. When Tom Cruise finds out about Dustin Hoffman, he goes to the hospital and talks to Dustin Hoffman's doctor and the doctor and the doctor is, and the doctor is, uh, is like explaining, explaining kind of what autism is to which Tom Cruise says, so what he's fucking retarded uh. to which the doctor says sort of, what did the doctor say? Sort of. It's not great. And then Tom Cruise continues spending the rest of the movie coming up to the brink of beating the fuck out of his mentally disabled brother. So like he kidnaps him. Like like he straight up kidnaps him, 
because his brother had because his dad died and his brother inherited like the vast majority of his dad's fucking money. So he kidnaps someone, tries to use him for leverage to get half of his inheritance back. And so he takes him to a diner and at the diner and he's like, and he's like, yeah, I want to, I want to order some food. And then, and then he's like, yeah, we'll order some fucking food. And he's like, oh, and just, he's going on his, he's going on his rant. He's like, he's going on his little like thing of trying to, he's talking about food, talking about this and that and that. And it's all stuff that I have heard about with people with more severe forms of autism and and stuff I have experienced incredibly lesser versions of being on Spectrum or whatever. And comes to a point where Tom Cruise just like fucking straight up grabs him by the nape of the neck, pulls him in, and just threatens to beat the fuck out of him. <laughs> until he realizes that he can be, until he realizes that he can use him for monetary gain. I... I, I know I I'm pretty sure this movie ends with like Tom Cruise realizing, oh wait, my mentally disabled brother is a person and not a tool. I should go back to selling cars. Never gonna justify it. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that shit. It's fucking I I hated every second I watched this movie. Just yeah. I'm not even I'm not even trying to fucking like I'm not trying to fucking like be up here with like like people fucking I'm not going to do that because that would make me a bit of a hypocrite make me a bit of a hypocrite I have watched dozens hundreds of movies about people with mental disabilities and they have been way worse than this probably oh yeah no definitely but for whatever reason this is the thing where I'm just like yep nope this is a bit much I have no idea why. But yeah, fuck Rain Man. And fuck Tom Cruise. And also, Tom Cruise makes some pretty good movies. Like Mission Impossible. Because I also watched Mission Impossible's uh, 4, 5, and 6. So, Mission Impossible 4. Rogue Nation, talked about before. It's... I believe it's Rogue Nation. Yeah, it's Rogue Nation, Ghost Protocol, and then and then Fallout, right? I have no idea. I've never watched any of the Mission Impossible movies. They're pretty good. <laughs> like They are pretty good. Uh yeah, kind of like Mission Impossible 1 is a kind of like it is a, it is a passable action movie. That's kind of like held up by the performances of our main cast. A Mission Impossible 2 is a ludicrous fucking John Woo ass movie. Uh, there, there's a there's a motorcycle fight. Like, a, like it's like half a torque fight. Card games on motorcycles. Kind of. Sorry, whenever I hear there's a motorcycle or anything, it, th- that's what pops into my head. Oh, I think of torque. Where they're doing motorcycle karate. I- I've never seen Torque. So. Nor have I, but I feel like I should. <laughs> it, from what I've heard, it's like Fast and Furious, but less smart. <laughs> yeah, then uh, Mission Impossible 3 is kind of a re- return to form for number one of just being passable. It's, uh, it's passable when it's held up by the good performances of the cast. The Mission Impossible 4 is kind of where the things really take off and they start getting like into 
the more ridiculous, just like, yeah, we're just going to go full whole hog into the fucking like cartoonish shit that we do. Like Mission Impossible 4 is the one where Tom, where Tom Cruise scales the side of the tallest fucking hotel in Dubai. Mm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that's what happens. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's part, it's part of this like ridiculous plan to like steal Russian nuclear codes back from people who stole them. I'm use, using like using like fucking weird shit. It's the one where like uh, it's the one where uh, Simon Pegg starts becoming a more principal character. Introduce it introduces Jeremy Renner's character. Yeah, Jeremy Renner was in these movies. I do not know who that is. He is Hawkeye. Ah. Or I guess Ronan now because of because he's now got a fucking sword in Chinatown or whatever. Because yeah, Avengers Endgame that tra- that trailer also came out. Shit happened while we were away. Yeah, and then we get into the again, like Mitch Possible Fallout. That's kind of the big new one, the one that came out, uh, the one the one that caused all the weird bullshit because of a mustache. Oh yeah, the one where Henry Cavill plays a guy who fucking cocks his fists for a fight. Which that that is the dumbest thing that shouldn't be as cool as it is. <laughs> yeah, like, what I have shotguns and my cufflinks. It's. It's so stupid. It is so stupid. And what kind of makes it better and worse is I believe Henry Cavill just ad-libbed that on set. Just like he was talking in an interview about about, the, about that about shooting that scene. It's like, yeah, we're just shooting that scene. And my character was just like, get up, you know, kind of like readjust himself and get back into the fight. And I was just like, yeah, let's just do this, see what happens. And so yeah, then that uh, became the thing of his character. Just all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go punch this dude. Just let's go. <laughs> and yeah, Henry Cavill, he is he's good in this. Like he actually has some degree of charisma, <laughs> which is something that he hasn't had in any other movie I've seen him in. <laughs> <laughs> what is even more ludicrous to me about that whole thing is he doesn't just have a mustache he has beard stubble like the mustache is the most uh, like present thing but he also just has beard stubble which he was apparently totally cool with shaving or they applied that in post or, or like as makeup, like he shaved everything else except the mustache, then came back to set, and then fucking they applied fake stubble to him. But he couldn't shave the mustache. That was the important thing. The mustache was like priority straight. Yeah, the mustache was this is the hill I'm gonna fucking die on. This hairy hill under my fucking nose. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's Impossible Six. It it's still Mission Impossible. It's it's a fucking fun franchise. I don't know what I don't know really what else to say about it. It just kind of is a really fun movie, and it seems like they are going to be going forward with more of these. Mission Impossible Seven is probably going to be a thing, and uh, Rebecca Ferguson seems like she's going to be sticking around for the long haul. 
Which, yeah, I'm cool with. She's a she's a decent addition to the team. And in this movie, she mainly serves as being like the new person who can't really believe what Tom Cruise is doing. Because essentially every movie, there needs to be a person on the team who is just like, wait, he's going to do fucking what? He did what? Yeah. And at this point, Simon Pegg and Ving Rhames have been around long enough that they just kind of go with it. But Rebecca Ferguson wasn't around for a lot of the more ridiculous shit Tom Cruise did in fucking the in the Mission Impossible Five, so she's now kind of. How are you guys treating this as normal? Yeah, yeah. Like there's a like the fucking climax of the movie. Like like notes like not really into specifics at all, but like Tom Cruise is like, all right, I need to get on this. I need to get on this helicopter. It's carrying a bunch of shit. I know. I'll grab onto the cargo that's being dangled dozens of feet under it and climb the rope and steal the helicopter. He did what? Yeah, she yeah she like watches him take off, hanging underneath this helicopter. He's like, "What the hell is he doing?" And Simon Pegg just like, "Yeah, we don't have time. It happens all the time." Just like, "Let's fucking go." It's Wednesday, all right. Yeah, just accept it. Yeah, and fucking Christ, man. The like, and I'm. I, a shot, there's a shot in the trailers I don't think is in the. I don't think I saw in the movie. Where Tom Cruise goes to jump between buildings and breaks his ankle in the other building. Or like twists it in a weird way. Okay. Yeah, it was in the trailer where he just like where like he's he's like running and running and running and then jumps and then ends up like hitting his like chest on the edge of the building before climbing up onto the onto it. And you, you can see like for a second his ankle bends real bad. Yeah. And then final thing. Last thing. I've been talking for like an hour and a half. Yep. <laughs> uh, Bumblebee. I you saw Bumblebee. Saw that? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'd heard not garbage things, and I had like six bucks to spare. So I went and saw Let Bumblebee. Me know where your self-respect is, dude. I had nothing to do. <laughs> it was during our break. What the fuck else was I gonna do? Live a normal life? Fuck that noise. Yeah, you got a point. Yeah, so I went and saw Bumblebee. And hey, they made a good one. It only took them 19 years. Yeah, Bumblebee is actually just kind of a good movie. Not great or anything, but I mean, it's the Iron Giant, but with a budget. Yeah, uh, for those who don't know. Similar writing or worse writing? Uh, to Iron Giant? Yeah. Um, Like quality-wise. Obviously, oh, the scripts aren't the yeah. exact same thing. Yeah. Quality-wise, um, about the same. Okay. Like, maybe a slightly worse, because it, it kind of de- does lean more into... It kind of does lean more into the boy and his dog tropes. And there's one character in there. I can't remember his name, but he is just the fucking worst. He's there kind of like comedy relief. Like his whole thing is he's really into the main character, but she she isn't into him because she has other stuff going on in her life, like dealing with her grieving dad, like dealing with the loss of her dad and then also her new robot. Meanwhile, here is the, he's there like, hey, I have an afro and I like comics. You want to fuck? So he's kind of not in it, but uh, Haley Steinfeld, uh, she... 
she's still a good actress, which is surprising. Because she was a good actress as a child. But now she's like an adult with like a pop career, like a pop music career. But she's still like acting well. Which is shocking to me. But yeah, so she's in it. Uh, she gets a lot of emotion out. She gets a lot of like emotion out of there. She's the she's very much the heart of the story along with Bumblebee. And they and the writing and like the visual effects have the visual effects have especially improved with the fucking robots, specifically in the design, because up until now, every fucking Transformers has been just this weird gray mashing of parts together. But yeah. with, but with this, uh, they are they, they found this weird middle road of keeping some of the over design elements of like newer stuff, but returning to like Gen One designs. Because like the beginning of the movie is on Cybertron, with Optimus Prime and the Autobots fighting the Decepticons, and fucking Soundwave shows up and fires a fucking cassette tape out of his chest that turns into a fucking panther. That is so cool. And like, like, like for all you youngins, you'll never understand just how important it is to us elderlies to have Soundwave firing cassette tapes out of his chest. Yeah, man. <laughs> like all of you new uh, new fans, <laughs> all you new fucking youngins thinking laser beaks a TV or a mini robot. Fuck you. Laser beaks a cassette tape that turns into a fucking falcon. All right, <laughs> Daggum it. Uh, I've turned into my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> you kids out here thinking shockwave's a fucking worm? Thinking soundwave's just an auto, uh, just an auto-tuned asshole? I bet you buttholes didn't even know the Megatron could turn into a fucking Walther PPK. And that he had to get wielded by his subordinates. That is the best thing, too. That he had to trust yeah. fucking Starscream. Starscream to shoot him. <laughs> Starscream just fucking keeps missing because he's a piece of shit. That somehow is immortal. Uh. Anyway, yeah, so uh, the movie, it serves, it serves as a prequel slash soft reboot of everything Hasbro's been trying to do with the Transformers. Because, on one hand, it's before... Kind of, it's before a lot of the shit that was set up in the other movies. Um, but it also contradicts all the shit that was set up in the other movies. Because according to the other Transformers movies, uh, Transformers have been on Earth since before World War II and as far back as the beginning of man. Whereas in this, Transformers showed up in the 80s. Does he still do the uh, radio thing where he sings through the radio? Yes, he does. But they explained that better, and it was actually more of a kind of like it was more showing a thing of like the development of the relationship between two characters. And by the end of it, it's gone. Okay. Yeah, because it starts out with Bumblebee landing on Earth, but he was chased there by Decepticons, and he gets in this big fucking fight with the Decepticons. And the Decepticon he's fighting before he kills it, uh, it damages his voice box. And so he goes into like this like kind of stasis repair mode or whatever and stays as a car for like a good couple years. Mm-hmm. Then Haley Seinfeld finds the car in the, in the fucking finds the car in like a junkyard that uh, that like like people that like, you know, 
that uh, a friend of her dad's owns, and he ends up giving he like gives her the junker for her birthday. Just hey, is this piece of That's shit? A lovely gift. He's like, hey, this piece of shit. It won't start at all, but you, this means a lot to you. And fucking, I like I've watched you grow up from like being a young kid to like fucking now. So hey, happy birthday. You get it fixed. It's yours. And she does because she's a fucking gearhead. And yeah, so she brings it home and turns into Bumblebee, just big fucking robot in her garage. And in doing that, it kind of like alerts the Decepticons that oh, Autobots are on Earth, like fucking B one zero seven or whatever, because his name isn't Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's on Earth. Let's fucking go get it. They land on Earth and end up being inter- and end up being intercepted by John Cena. Da 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 da. Yes, and John Cena. In, I think, the first time ever, uh, points out that the Decepticons shouldn't be trusted because they're called fucking Decepticons. <laughs> yes. Okay, this movie gets my approval. It, if only for that. That is that was my favorite fucking thing. Like, like they like he like he meets the fucking robots. He meets the Decepticons with a scientist. And the scientist is like, hey, like they're from Sector 7 or whatever, and the scientist is like, hey, fucking come with us and we like, and we can like show you like, yeah, you're looking for a fucking criminal. Well then come along. We'll fucking, you will talk to our superiors and stuff and we'll see if we can get access to our satellites. At which point they're in like a meeting room and John Cena is just, yeah, what the fuck? Why are we trusting these things? Like they're aliens for one and B they are literally called Decepticons. At which point the scientist is like, Oh, pshaw fucking technology, man. And the generals are like, that's racism. Yeah. And the generals are like, yeah, I mean, that is kind of racist. Go ahead and give them access to our entire satellite network. Which in the eighties wouldn't actually have been that important. Uh, nope. But they, but, but it works. They managed to track down Bumblebee and then turn the scientist into goop because their guns turn people into goop. The gun goes, pew. they're actually willing to kill people. Yep. The gun goes pew. And then the person turns into soap. Now, are we talking about liquid hand soap, body wash? Liquid hand soap. Mm, so it's got a bit of color to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a bit grosser than I expected this movie to get. What is wrong with us? It's a bit grosser than I expected this movie to get. What is... Like, seriously, there's... You and I have an issue. But yeah, like, uh, it's a bumblebee. I don't like this movie as much as apparently everyone else on the planet does. Because as it is currently sitting, <laughs> it's sitting at a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Which, <laughs> it's not a 92. It is a solid, it is, a, it is for me, on like a rating scale, it's a solid like three and a half out of five. Just a real, like, like, like three, three and a half out of five. Just a really, the movie that has a decent heart to it. Like more heart than any Transformers movie has ever had. Except for the 80s one. Like, nothing in any of these movies has been as emotionally impactful as watching Optimus Prime die in that fucking movie no, was. The, the, no, you can't, you can't top it. And for anyone who, like, tries to pull some shit out from the recent movies, no. Yeah, that's Grow that, up in the 80s, go watch that fucking movie, and then tell me how you feel. Dude, I grew up in 1990, I grew up in the 90s, and I still felt that movie. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, 
it, it, that, that movie's still solid. That movie's still fucking solid. Like, it doesn't hold up super well because it is, like, 80s animation on, a, like, a fucking $25 budget. You want to talk about shoestring? Whew. Yeah. That's, like, dental floss budget. It's a, it's a, it's just a little bit above a Digimon budget. <laughs> Digimon, digital monsters, Digimon are the champions. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else really to say about fucking Bumblebee. It is, it's fine. It, it is, it is a fine movie with a with a decent heart behind it and a solid cast that that basically makes up for the less than stellar writing and that one guy. But hey, and, uh, and assuming they're gonna go down this route. This would be a solid jumping off point for a soft for an entire reboot of all of Transformers. Yeah. I mean, now that Michael Bay's done, I guess. You might as well give it to some people who like who like watched Iron Giant and were like, I can, we can kind of replicate this. Yeah, uh, that's it for what I'm wanting then. New releases wise, next couple weeks, and not a whole lot coming out. Uh this week. We got glass. The latest fucking M. Night Shakabra movie. Uh, the culmination of his. Yeah, the culmination of the last couple of years of work because he did not set out to make un- an Unbreakable Trilogy. Uh, you know the worst part? What's that? M. Night Shakazulu's trailer makers actually make me want to see his stuff. Oh, yeah. Whoever fucking... Because I wanted to see Split, never did. And I want to see this. Yeah whoever, fu- yeah, whoever fucking cut this, they... The trailer is fucking dynamite. Yeah. But from what I have heard, uh, Split is... Everything you expect from fucking M. Night Sure Headphones. We're going to run out of nicknames for him one day. One day. <laughs> but today is not that day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to speak. Um, this is a thing that apparently people talk about. Uh, there's, a new, there's a Dragon Ball movie that people here are talking about that aren't from anime. That aren't from the anime crowds. Really? Yeah. It's weird. It is really weird. Like, there's... Someone from the LA Times reviewed Dragon Ball. Which is still, like, a weird fucking thing to me. That's basically all that's coming out this week. Just fucking split and, like, glass and Dragon Ball. Next week... It's fucking nothing. Unless anybody because out there is you. super into the kid who would be king. I'm so into the kid who would be king. Best part is I'm only like, I'm only like three quarters joking there because <laughs> I'm actually interested in it. <laughs> okay. Like what I'm most interested in, honestly, is the Lego movie. Because yeah. the trailer's dropped and it's like Valentine's Day and I'm like, Know what I'm doing. 
Ah, uh, thank God I'm married to a woman who's actually a nerd. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I'm solely going off of the title for this one, but I kind of want to figure out what the fuck the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot was. Or is, I mean. I kind of got caught up in the, t- I kind of caught up in the flow of the title, but yeah, there's a movie coming out called The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. And it's about Sam Elliott, who is a guy who apparently killed Hitler and then killed Bigfoot. I'm wondering if they're going to try and treat Bigfoot as if he is like an actual creature. I have no idea, but everyone fucking loves the movie, apparently. And hey, I'm a fan of Sam Elliott. I don't know who that is. He's the gruff old southern man who voices Ford commercials and has a giant fucking mustache. Ah, him. Sam Elliott. Who's from fucking Sacramento. What? (laughs) I love the shock in your voice. (laughs) Just like, wait, what? That doesn't sound accurate. Yeah. You don't think the guy providing the voice for Ford commercials is going to be a motherfucker from Sacramento. The dude has been in more westerns than I knew there were than I knew about westerns and he was and he's from fucking California. What the fuck was in Tombstone? Yeah, anyway. Yeah, I I did I googled th- I fucking Googled uh, The Kid Would Be King just to find out more info about it. And it's already sounding more interesting to me. Just like The Kid Would Be King. I'm just like, eh, fuck it, whatever. It's a goddamn fucking Harry Potter knockoff shit again. Who gives a fuck? But then actually look into it and it's like, oh, it's from the director and writer of Attack the Block. And it's starring the son of Andy Serkis. Who's an actor, I guess. I don't know. This is weird. I am just learning things that I sh- that should not be this week. Yeah, Rebecca Ferguson's in it as Morgan Le Fay. And Patrick Stewart is Merlin. For a part of the movie. Yeah, the rest of it, uh, he's played by a guy named Angus Imry. Who looks entertaining. This is a weird note to end the show on. Kitty would be king. Apparently it looks actually all right. That's good for this week. Fucking Christ. This is the third show back and I still feel rusty. <laughs> well, get the polish. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks time with episode of the DestroProps.com television podcast. In between now and then, though, there's other shit coming out. I don't know. Oh, I'm dead. And I'm Caveman. See you guys next time. Goodbye, have a wonderful time. <laughs> <laughs>